Today's podcast is sponsored by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audible.com slash Westworld and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title for free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audible.com slash Westworld or text Westworld to 500-500 to get started. Welcome to Watching Westworld, the officially unofficial podcast for Westworld on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 2, Episode 9, titled Vanishing Point. What do you think of this episode on second viewing? You know, the third viewing, maybe. uh, This is the first episode of Westworld, I think, this season, where my opinion of it changed pretty dramatically. Like, I... I liked it, but I could tell I wasn't as taken with it as you on the Instant Take, or Instant Talk podcast, rather. And, Mm -hmm. uh... And I think that's because I was mostly centered on what I was thinking about myself. Like, what are my expectations and what am I getting out of this plot? And when I, after I kind of like got over what we are not getting or clarity or not clarity and just looking at the characters and their reactions, I was pretty taken with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some really good stuff here uh, between Emily and William. And, you know, there, there's a lot of. Um, a lot of uh, father-daughter moments here on the Father Day episode of Westworld. Yeah, some of them fake, some of them not. Where a father possibly <laughs> murders her daughter. Uh, yeah, you've got you know Ford and Maeve, um, and there's a lot mm-hmm. of like really interesting parallels. Like, uh, you know, no, we don't know for a fact if William's a human or not. We don't. They they kind of play coy about Emily and a lot of other stuff. But like, we did find out a lot of interesting things about our characters and how they relate relate to each other and how. Like, interesting new parallels and developments. Like, you know, Dolores, arguably, her heart has gone dark this season and has led to her lover committing suicide in much the same way that William's heart uh, led him to kind of be despondent and, 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 and angry and bitter and led to the death of his spouse. So from that angle there was a lot of really interesting thematic and character developments the stuff that we've kind of honestly been crying out for yeah so i i really liked it and i really appreciate it and it's also just it's just damn hard to be this ambiguous uh this late into the season about so many things uh Uh. like like and and i and and as i watched it a second and a third time i really would marvel to kind of how expertly they 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 dance on that knife's edge uh, without it being too frustrating. I know some people are frustrated, but I, I, I found it uh, pretty great. What about you? Uh, on second and third watches... You hate it. Um, <laughs> no, no, I like it even more, honestly. I think um, once you can... So I, I spent a lot of my time this week not reading as many theories, but trying to understand thematically what this mm-hmm. episode is going for with William and Emily, mm-hmm. um, most importantly. And I think once you can get beyond the questions of is one of them a host? Is one of them not a host? It becomes much more interesting because then then laid bare are the characters' motivations, and that's what we're really getting at here. Like, who right. is William? Who is Emily? What kind of relationship have they had? And I think, I almost think that, like, the knife says that you're talking about gets in the way of those things because the questions I was asking coming out of the episode is, which one of them is a host, if either, yeah. you know? Um, but I think it's about more than that. It's it's more about the man in black, William, discovering, admitting to himself who he is, and then wondering, um, 
y- you know whether whether that's the real him that he's right. seeing because uh, because I mean he likes to think of himself as the the nice kind William that we know mm-hmm. in the real world that's the face he like he presents right and he shed that skin and he realized you know when he was an old man that the true him was the the him that is in Westworld uh and the him that is in Westworld is now, I feel, coming into question because now he's questioning if he even has choices at all. Mm-hmm. Um, it's this whole idea of Tim Shell, which I went down a rabbit hole trying to <laughs> research because I think it's important to this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I think that's the fundamental question here and the reason they don't answer it, right? Because it's not about the answer to that question. It's about William questioning it. Mm. And, and that's the thing that came into focus for me on second, third watch, which makes it, in my opinion a more interesting episode. I don't think it's not not about that stuff because clearly oh, sure. yeah, clearly yeah. those questions are but going to be But next week will be about that. S- this important. week. And it's if maybe that's the other like if we're if we're going to do a meta criticism of the show is it feels like there's two distinct audiences of this show. One that's just watching it and you know they're essentially letting the horror the the the, the haunted house scare them. Yeah. And then the others represented by us and the other th- the theory people they're going through the haunted house with flashlights and infrared goggles. Uh and I feel like that it's very hard to serve both those audiences and sometimes it feels like only one audience is being served by a particular episode because you just can't. And and this it feels was this this is this is this is serving the audience more than just along for the ride and don't care over much about where the the plot is going and and wouldn't be frustrated by equivocations and like it's that's what i'm saying like i wonder i think it's serving an audience that has a little more trust that what they're telling us is real well i don't have any of that trust that's what i mean like it's it's only or don't mind being fooled either or don't mind being fooled yeah Yeah. it's not trying to figure it out get ahead of the writers you know right right uh it's only after I cemented in my mind what I think about the status of Emily as host mm-hmm. or not host mm-hmm. uh, that my my feeling on this episode became more clear. Right. Because I, I do think, like, if if you're just watching it, their episode is trying to tell you something right. about that. And the people who really, really want to dig into the details and question, is she, isn't she, right. are missing the point. Right. And, you know, just from a purely aesthetic viewpoint, I think we had some, like, powerhouse acting scenes. Like, I talked... Oh, yeah. Uh, I talk about it being, like, mo- monologue heavy, but, you know, monologues give actors opportunity to flex, and um, Anthony Hopkins was flexing all over the place, and even Evan Rachel Wood, who mm-hmm. I think has been largely contained this this episode, th- this season, like... Her reaction to Teddy's death on subsequent watches was incredible, yeah. Uh, and maybe, maybe even worked better because she was a more of a one-dimensional villain character, mm-hmm. uh, uh, th- largely this season. Or like, I don't want to say one-dimensional villain or whatever, but she was she's largely driven by vengeance, which is yeah. something that's hard for a lot of people to to relate or root for you know sure. even even when it's it's uh uh you know well deserved especially when there's multiple sides like if this was if this was a show that had no Maeve and had no Bernard then it'd be much easier to just be like yeah Dolores slay you know but since there are other sides even on that faction of self-aware hosts she ends up being the low woman on the totem pole because her you know, what desire to slaughter all of humanity is fundamentally less sympathetic than, you know, striving to be free and wanting mm-hmm. to be regarded as equals or in suffering, you know? 
Yeah. And I think it's also not as nuanced as some of these other characters. Right. Like William, for instance, is, in my opinion, one of the most nuanced characters in, uh, other than maybe Ford, you mm-hmm. know, Ford has a lot of interesting perspectives and ways of communicating those. But I think like everybody across the board just nails it. You know, you right. talked about Evan Rachel Wood and, uh, uh, Ford, Anthony Hopkins, uh, <laughs> yeah, sure. but but I mean Ed Harris and his voiceover and his confession, like all of that stuff is right, just powerful. And then uh, e- even like Maeve's reaction, her Maeve's silent, voiceless reaction to what Ford is telling her, right? About you know you you stayed in this world to save your child, I'm doing the same, right? Like all of that is landing, and you can see it in her eyes. Yeah, uh, and Teddy, I mean Teddy is, you know, we don't give James Marsden a lot of credit because Teddy has been one note in a lot of different ways yes. over the course of these two seasons yes. but i think in this speech this is the most nuanced and interesting his character has ever been sure right that 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 idea of battling his programming with his cornerstone memories uh-huh. of who he is that's interesting and the corner and i think it'll be significant to dolores to realize that the thing that ultimately kept teddy from falling to darkness he died the hero before he lived long enough to become the villain was her like yeah. um you know, she's going to have a lot of a pith. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see, like, if they play with the idea of her, like, having a similar epiphany to William, except for instead of realizing that everything's bullshit and, you know, use that to to satisfy and gratify her selfish desires and give in to the darkness if she has the epiphany that, no, some this was something real and irreplaceable. Mm-hmm. Um and and maybe William doesn't want to admit to that, that he got his heart broken by a machine, but that you know it was something that is it wasn't irreplaceable because like they're they're playing with that the thing that anthony hopkins says about the the trying to fix the hole in their their code you know like you know a lot of times when you when when a relationship ends badly you talk about that ripping the heart out of your chest like Mm -hmm. he's kind of walked around like that and i don't think he's really dealt with that that grief and the those that cognitive dissonance from that situation any kind of healthy way no they're definitely like paralleling William and Dolores yeah. in this episode, right down to like killing the people they love. Yeah, you know? yeah, and also everyone could be a host at any time. Sure, yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. Like I have my opinions <laughs> on whether or not Emily is a host, uh-huh. and I'm going to state them when we get to those scenes. Right, but it doesn't mean I'm right. Yeah, there, there. Just I think that's what the episode is trying to tell us. Exactly, there are carefully constructed arguments, and and I I saw that play out a lot. That there are there are strong arguments for about anything that you want to to make, or there's there's mm-hmm. evidence. I won't say that there's strong arguments. There is evidence leading down almost any path you want to follow. Mm-hmm. You want to you want to let the breadcrumbs leave you. Um. So and that's again pretty remarkable in the penultimate episode. Yeah. Should we get into the recap? Yes. Uh, a couple things before uh, we get to the main episode discussion. Uh, we are going to live watch the original Westworld tomorrow. Uh, what that means is 9 p.m. on Wednesday, June 20th, uh, there will be an article published on baldmove.com. Actually, be published like 8.50 Eastern Standard Time. Uh, you can start queuing up, and we are going to watch a copy of Westworld and let you watch it with us. Essentially, yeah. cameras on our faces will be. It's, it's like it's like riff tracks, essentially, or Mystery Science Theater three thousand. Mostly jokes. Uh, we'll go maybe mostly jokes. Some jokes. talking about the movie. Probably talking about Westworld stuff too. So maybe it'll be interesting. Yep. Maybe it'll be funny. Maybe hopefully it'll be both. Uh, but we're going to be doing it. Uh, and if you, it's just for club members, you have to be a club member. 
um, to, to, to experience that. Uh, you can go to club.baldmove.com if you'd like to sign up uh, in advance of that. Uh, we also have our Expanse podcast coming out later this week. Um, don't forget about that. That's another awesome science fiction show you all should be watching. I want to talk about the schedule for next week because it's going to be a little different because I'm going to be traveling. Uh, so we're going to have the Instant Talk podcast as normal. First half for everybody, second half for club members only. Uh, and then we'll have the full podcast out Tuesday, but it will be sans feedback. We're going to take all since it's a wrap up podcast the week after. And since, you know, all the theorizing for the individual episodes will be over and it's going to be all talk about season three. We're going to push all that to have a, a supersized wrap up podcast the week after. Um, so you can send in your feedback. Please do send in your feedback, but it will be considered the week after. And then finally, I have something um, kind of personally exciting to talk about. Uh I've been working on this project with a religious scholar by the name of Anthony Ladon uh, to create a book on Game of Thrones. It's essentially like a mock scholarly analysis of the religions and mythos behind the Game of Thrones and their real life counterparts from our own, from Earth's own uh, history and culture. Uh, we are kickstarting it because we're wanting to make it like a very professional project and have like typesetters and proofreaders and editors and cover artists and all that and, and a physical copy of the book if you're into that kind of thing. Go to book.baldmove.com. That will automatically redirect you to Kickstarter. We can get a bunch of more information about that. Uh, but yeah, please, if you're a fan of the work I've done here and on especially Game of Thrones, the, the lore podcast, the spoiler things, please check it out. I think you guys will dig it. Book.baldmove.com. Okay, we start off with the voiceover of William talking about the darkness inside him as we go to a party. He calls it a stain. Uh, as we flash back to a party where... William and Juliet, his wife, are pretending that they're a happy couple. Seems this is I I look at this and I start questioning like how are they going to bring this around to her suicide in a single episode? You know, yeah. But but you know what I did on subsequent watches, I noticed that they you you see the brittleness of the relationship even in here. Yeah, like there's can. and that's why Celia Ward is so brilliant in one episode. She's able to really take the stubs of the character that we've kind of put together over the years and then embody this like you know wealthy oh, shit Celia Ward is embodied stubs is that where you're going with this no no I wasn't okay. I'd like to hear this theory I've got evidence for it uh, <laughs> that she that she's this kind of like you know disillusioned socialite that has everything that she could pro possibly want except for the love of her husband who she is mm -hmm. The authentic uh, love, right? Who, who she suspected is kind of a monster. Yeah. Because um, he seems loving by all outward appearances. Right. But there's something underneath. Right. It'd be, you know... And, and the other thing is, like, uh, they also... There's, there's the other thing I realized that another meta level is, like, if you want to make an argument that she's kind of crazy or has an addiction problem that is obscuring her... Because, like... I I am open to the idea that maybe William's all right. Maybe he just deals from a lot of guilt. And it's like if if you you know the, the, this is the mental experiment we had in the last podcast. Like if you live a perfectly great good life and you're dutiful and you're faithful and you're kind and loving and generous to your children and and to the community and you have this one video game where you like to just be a real fucker in. Yeah. Does that make you a bad? Is that unmask the the darkness? But I mean, or or that underneath you just feel you know in your bones that it's all an act right it doesn't negate the fact that you are making the choice to be a good person yeah right like now it's it's 
interesting here because he's making both choices. He's making right. the choice to be both evil and good. Yeah. So it becomes a little muddier. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the whole thing at the end is what is a person if not their choices? Sure. In the real world, William is making the right choices, but, but the but good choices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Westworld, he's not. But so, it's also how we feel about those choices. Like, so, so you're you're a kid and you're raised in a fundamentalist Christian church, and you are told that masturbation is a sin and it makes you unclean and it gets in the way of God loving you. Mm-hmm. And then your hormones hit and you start <laughs> masturbating. Like, you're just yeah. the same as a kid, any other kid that's like, you know, like, hey, I'm tugging on my penis and or and or rubbing my clit and it feels great. Uh-huh. Now you've got this layer of this is dirty and shameful and, and like, that's significantly less healthy, but it had, it says nothing about the act itself. Mm, that's true. Yeah. So, like, that's what I'm, like, getting at. Are they playing with the idea that I, I don't know, because it seems like Westworld wants to put, like, this theory that largely says the things that you do as a hobby or a game that you think is free from other people's prying eyes can be dirty and shameful and wrong even if they're not hurting other people mm-hmm. uh, or or you find out later that it's hurting other people like how do you feel about it um, but I don't know because like, like, they've stacked the deck in this particular video game the people are real sure, yeah. they have opinions and consciousnesses and, and, and feelings mm-hmm. that can be hurt and so like they've really stacked the deck on that fundamentally interesting question but i think they are playing a little bit with this idea because like you never see like like Lo- like logan and 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 juliet are seen as kind of like these deeply addicted they're about to be in you know about to be committed against their will to uh in, in, in julia's case uh a rehab facility like i think they're playing with even that uncertainty like well maybe william's not a bad guy he just has all this this guilt and fraud complex is fucking with him I don't believe that. Yeah, and paranoia, and I mean, he's clearly right. got mental issues. Right. Uh, it, it's hmm. And yeah, also I don't know where choices, to draw the line on evil. And also, like, if our choices define us, mm-hmm. uh, and you can make evil choices in a consequence environment, then you have to like if if, if both of those things are true, then you can turn evil from these kind of like fake choices that you make. Hmm. Like if it's so real, you can't tell the difference. Like maybe that's just something they're they're playing with. Because I think that's that's I mean, something we all do well the... to think about. Like, you know, fifty years from now, where you do have ultra realistic killing and fucking simulators, is that going to be as harmless as we want to say like Mortal Kombat was in our day? Like nobody's ripping yeah. people's spines out because they saw it in Mortal Kombat. But like, if you can actually rip a person's spine out and it feels real and taste the blood, and maybe that could drive you crazy. I think you're right that the show has an opinion on this. And when they talk about, you know, if you can't tell, right. does it matter? Well, the other thing because is... Because if you ask that question, like, am am I doing evil things? Right. Um, are these hosts real? And does this have a, an evil consequence to me? If you can't tell, does it matter? Well, like, here... it, it, you're evil, you know? If you can't tell whether this thing is alive or not... And you do something evil to it that makes you bad. Speaking of not telling if someone's good or evil, why are we convinced that Ford is sliding a real, authentic personality profile across to William? Because we've seen all the things on it. Yeah, but like the conclusions that he's a paranoid, delusional psychopath. Like, you know, is everyone to go to the Westworld? Fit the, like, I, I'm, I'm just asking a question. Like, maybe Ford is, is is gussing this stuff up. That's what I'm saying. Like. Yes, he did all those things, 
Mm-hmm. I've done terrible things in video games too. Like I, I don't, I don't know how I'd feel about like having someone slide a SD chip across to me that says, "Congratulations, got a surprise for you." We A-Rod. saw what you did in Skyrim with the with with the with the cat girl, you fucker. Uh, <laughs> it's it's they're straight to hell for you. Like I, I don't know. Like I feel uh-huh. like that's another possible narrative trick they could be playing that Ford. Not because he's evil, but because he's trying to free his creation is intentionally assassinating William's character using his wife's paranoia and feeling that something's wrong against him to like kind of like put this because it does feel like this was the nail in the coffin for his wife. Yeah. Like getting the confirmation that, yes, your husband is a certified Uh to a scientific degree of accuracy psychopath is what caused her to kill herself. Yeah, no, and uh, the description, funnily enough, on or you know, aptly is uh, on HBO Go of this episode is try to kill it all away, but I remember everything. Right. And if you're not familiar with Nine Inch Nails' "Hurt" song, that's the opening, or that that's one of the lines in the song, which which is about like hurting yourself to to feel the pain of it, to really just for the pain of it, mm. and I, I feel like that is what. Uh, Man in Black, William is doing here. Right. You know his his whole motivation is driven by the pain he feels, the guilt right. that he feels over essentially causing his wife's death. Yeah, and 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 the reason I want to drag into this like questioning the morality of it is because I think the show itself does this at the end of this scene as they're doing all this montage stuff and he's rubbing his forearm and he's saying like voiceovers when did it begin this tiny fleck of darkness was it all in my mind was it a remnant of the dream and then juliet comes in is this real are you real like yeah they're wanting us to think about this stuff absolutely whether it's misdirection or actually like you know william was a host for all along he's a project a runaway out of control cyborg project to ford or ford's fucking with his like like there's a lot of room for those speculations but they certainly want us to be thinking about it yeah, and I, I think it's it's interesting to view it in the context of his choices at the end as well. Like, yeah. you you look at his guilt driving him to this paranoid, delusional action of killing his daughter because he thinks it's Ford, right? And then he comes around and sees, oh, no, that was actually my daughter. I've just done a truly horrible thing. And then he, in, in an effort to, well, I, I don't even know that this is a conscious thing by him, but... At that point, he turns not from feeling the guilt and and that driving him to burn this place down or solve the mystery or whatever, but to questioning whether he's even responsible for it, whether mm-hmm. he even has a choice at all. Yeah. Like, trying to absolve himself of the guilt that he now feels doubly for killing both his wife and his daughter. Right, right. Uh, and I think that's an, a, a really big turn for William at the end of this. Sure. Anyway, we go on to the next scene where... Uh, William wakes up to Emily patching his wounds at a rally point, and she tries to get him to open up about Juliet's death by telling him a story about a music box that Juliet gave her that she threw in the trash. Didn't didn't like it because <laughs> mm-hmm. it because it reminded her that her mother didn't actually care about her, or he probably cared about her but was too drunk most of the time right, to too, even remember too, that she has a dance. Too drunk dealing with her father, who's a psychopath. Yeah, I found it interesting. The first thing he does when he wakes up is look immediately for his gun. Mm, right. It just shows you, you know, where his priorities are. Right. Uh, anything else about this? I mean, we'll talk about the music box later, I think. Yeah, I I don't. I don't think so. I am, I mean, the one thing, I, like I said, here's the other great ambi- ambiguity is that 
uh, you know, Emily has a giant red med pack that could, for all we know, have near miraculous healing powers. So, like, I was ready to just, on the end of last episode, just be like, well, there's just no way he's not a host. Like, he survived multiple gunshot wounds, one right, like, dead center of his mass. Like, just from a bleeding out perspective, that's a problem. Uh, I don't know how much of it a problem is now. Um, I don't, I don't know yeah. because like we've seen him like miraculously heal from wounds before, like at the party in the morning. Is that evidence that he's a host, or is that just this show is is thirty is is thirty forty years in the future using near miraculous technology in a world where we've essentially conquered every disease, conquer every disease yeah. except for perhaps death. So it's it's that's another masterful writing of the uh, edge of ambiguity. I think. Right, move on to Dolores meeting with the Ghost Nation who tell her that her journey is at an end uh, and they're here to put it to her. And when they try to stop her, there's a battle during which all of the Ghost Nation are killed and we see Dolores deliver the line in the recording that Strand found earlier um, in the season. And Dolores tells Teddy to search and kill anyone else he finds. But when he finds a Ghost Nation dude, he can't shoot him. Yeah. This is all the cracks are showing in Teddy. Uh, who's right? Is... The valley, right. be- the valley Beyond is a door to the new world. It's also uh-huh. a tool that can destroy humanity. They're it's both a, it's right. A, it's an a Obi-Wan Kenobi po- point of view thing, isn't it? I agree. Yeah. Um, what, what is... Ah, shit. I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I guess... Yeah, let's let's move on. Uh, Hale's treated to a demonstration of the admin code taken from Maeve and uploaded to Clem. And Clem takes control of about 20 hosts and has them all viciously attack and murder each other. Uh, quite pleased, Hale tells the tech to get word to Stubbs and prepare to release the virus that is Clem into the wild. Hmm. They modified Clem into a weapon. This is exactly what Dolores was afraid of. Yeah, and what's interesting is... We know from the Akane no Ma episode, uh, or no, Akane no Mei episode, that Clem is, you're supposed to understand, is a daughter figure to Maeve. Hmm. But they haven't really, they've actually given Maeve an actual daughter. I wonder if there's something to the fact that they've corrupted this child of, uh, it's not Maeve herself, this, you know, like that's the, what we thought we were going to, that she's going to be used against her will. It's it's this uh, surrogate child of hers. But I don't, I don't know, because again, they haven't really played with the fact that 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 Clem is her daughter much because she's had an actual daughter. Yeah, I wonder if that's more of just like Lee shortcutting the narrative process. He's it, like, or it could be. Well, there's this daughter idea. Let's just transfer it on to the madam here, or not the madam. The right. It's a it's a chicken or egg whore, problem. I guess. <laughs> is it, is it her reveries and remembering of her daughter that allows her not to fully embrace her surrogate daughter, Clem? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I just think it's it's interesting. I also don't. I I don't. I'm not crazy about the idea of the host just turning into berserkers and and killing each each other. No. No. I don't know. Like I think it would be kind of more horrific if she just raises her hand and they all just like die. Like they okay. just, they're just gone. Yeah. Because it's just weird that they're raised. They're being raised from the dead just to kill each other again. I don't know. That, 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 uh, this yeah. this goes back to like I just every intersection of host and human on this show. I I just I I, I, I have a quibble for almost all, every every aspect of it. If I can play devil's advocate for a moment, do it. Maybe Satan. they want to physically destroy these hosts so that they can't be retaken. Hmm. 
because uh, you know if, well, if the, they do something in software, okay, that can always be undone, right? right. If they physically dismember and destroy but what does that even hosts, fucking mean? When when a host gets stabbed in the chest, they were already physically disabled. Yeah, like, but like they, snapping they a neck. I mean, if snapping, if, okay, if I, you I, snapping a neck, but there was destroy a lot. the physical structure of the body to the point where it can't function. Right, I bet yeah. like it, it would paralyze them. But like, I didn't see a lot of neck snapping. I saw a lot of gouging and poking and beating <laughs> yeah. and like I just right. like they 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 were already they're they're here in a heap because they were already killed. Mm-hmm. So I, I and again, there's a way to tell that story, and I, that's not. It's just like this sheer almost zombie like savagery and. I think one of the maybe one of the lasting criticisms of season two is when they have these chance to deal like with this like just thematic like like oh we want something savage so let's just do like they definitely let the themes and metaphors direct the plot and I don't know if that's the way to go about in the future maybe maybe if you want to do that then you gotta you gotta pay it you you gotta you gotta spend twice as much time on the plot to try to make it seem natural right yeah. because else it's a little bit like. Okay, I get it, but it's not even the most, you know, it doesn't feel like it's the most interesting thing that could even have happened with this given set of possibilities. I do feel like the the makeup job they're doing on Clem is doing wonders. Oh, that, combined with her the visual, guess, lack of acting, the the visual <laughs> aspect acting. of her is 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 very creepy and horrifying. Yes. like she could just show up in a James Wan picture and be con- uh-huh. like Conjuring Three. Yeah, it's just Clem. The demon, the demon is undead Clem. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'd, I'd be terrified. You're gonna slowly pan over a dark house. It's kind of in disrepair, and she's gonna be standing there in the corner. Mm-hmm. And ah, it's fucking undead Clem. Yeah, yeah she's great. great. The, the, the design of her character is 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 amazing. All right, having seen this demo, Ford tells Bernard that he has one last thing to do before they go. Uh, and that's it's just kind of a quick scene here. Yeah, they don't tell us what Maeve. it is. It's we'll Maeve. find out. He's got to go say goodbye to Maeve. Yep. Uh, so Emily reveals that she knows all about the secret project that William has been undertaking, thanks to wasted Uncle Logan, uh, and acts like she understands the point of it all. They both acknowledge that they have an angle on the plan, though uh, William doesn't state what his is. And when asked what hers is, Emily says she wants in on the project. I mean, here's a lot of the amb- dose of ambiguity because, because like you know, Ed Harris is playing the uh, you know Emily is a host game on Reddit. Like this is a big place. You could wander around here in months and not find a single person. How the fuck did you get here? And she just says, "I looked everywhere." Yeah, maybe it's fate. Maybe it's an accident. Like there are a lot of weird things stacking up with Emily. Yes, yes. The least of which is her starting this journey in Raj world, which or, right. or the Raj, right? Which I find odd. Yes, and, because and again, I don't think that's where she would look for her father. Why is she right. visiting the pleasure houses before? And, and she goes why on this is mission? a character that we absolutely know as a human saying? Why would anyone go to the trouble of making a host appear to be a guest in this? Like, I mean, they've been asking this from the, the almost pr- practically day one. I know that wasn't literally day one episode, but like, yeah, holy shit, like stuff like this. It, in fact, the only reason I, I can't, I kind of doubt that Emily is a, a is a host is because it would cheapen. Ed, Ed Harris with the gun to his head moment towards the end of this episode where he's really contemplating what he do, did. If he could just be like, well, surprise, old man. that was You were right all along. She was just a host. Like, yeah. I don't know. Um, but, yeah. yeah, there's definitely arguments you could be making on both sides. And, and Emily just pivots into it like, well, you're a control freak. And you, 
you want to have everything to do with control, which, uh, you know, William denies. So there was, there's another thing that's interesting that the Man in Black says in this scene. He says that this project has nothing to do with control. Right. Which one of the the theories that has been floated is that they're going to try and replace humans with hosts in the real world and use that to profit, essentially, to, right. to have control. Which is certainly a form of control, world. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So in light of that being ruled out, I I don't... I really have no guess as to what the final plan is. Well, also, I think you're supposed to understand that William's an unreliable narrator. Like, he could be lying. He could be wrong. His his view of what Delos is trying to do could be different from Delos himself. Or what what Delos, the corporation, is. Because it doesn't sound like maybe he's on the best terms with all of the board. Or maybe he doesn't see eye to eye. It's tough. That's definitely what he said, though. It is. And I guess I don't view William as a character who intentionally lies or misleads but he's a paranoid delusional he is certainly so like uh but he's also the person at the heart of this project if anybody would know it's him he came up with the idea initially if he's a real person and not a host and not like yeah i mean there's but i'm saying there is certainly even if he is a host he's still a recognizable version of but why would they tell the real host the real like like wouldn't william do his job better if he he was slightly deluded he's a buzz Lightyear kind of thing i mean i guess i don't know how the project would well the project is implied to have spun a little bit out of his control anyway. Yeah. Because I mean, you what could go, like, I, I saw a crazy someone, I don't even know if it's crazy, it might be true, that, like, Jim Delos and Logan are actually chilling in the forge slash cradle mm-hmm. and, and and manipulating William to do all their dirty work to take the fall. I, I don't know, because I, I, like, I got the, like, two sentences in that theory, and I'm like, the fuck? But okay, it's... There's certain there's evidence you can you can you can kind of look to, to support that. So I mean I think yes, it, it William does not think that the project is about control. Yeah, even though that doesn't seem to jive with what he told. Like like you know, and the other thing is we're, we were told this episode that everything about him, including his entire being, is a lie. So like I just I just want to throw some caution into we can't take his 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 words as gospel. That's fair. All right, we flash back to the party again. Emily's on her way out, and she notices her mother is drunk, and she wants to take her home, but William says he'll take care of it. And he heads off to the bar where he encounters Ford, who is insistent that Delos, the Delos Project has interfered with his stories. And Ford passes William a card with what I'm going to call self-knowledge on it. Juliet breaks some glassware, and William decides it's time for them to head home. Ford says one final game as he leaves. Uh, I think it's significant that when... We flash to the night of the benefit party. Uh, William's first words to his daughter is "Save me." Like that's a direct connection to the previous scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, and <laughs> she says, "Well, you're not the one that needs saving." Talking about his mom, their mom. Well, now that the mom's dead, uh, I, like I said, I, I don't know what to do with that. But I think that's another piece of information you're supposed to stack on the, you know, who's telling the truth and who's not telling the truth. Hmm. It is, it is a nice moment. I like that. But on the other hand, it's it's also part of a context of a larger lie that he's allowing to happen. Like, he's allowing people to believe that his wife is crazy and a drunk just cause when, in fact, he is a psychopath. So, who knows? <laughs> yeah. Uh, are we sure? After after this scene, I'm not 100% sure that, Will, that Ford doesn't want to just stick it to William. That's what like, I'm saying. Like, one final game could sure. be one final fuck you. Right. 
to this man who has interfered with his life's work the whole time. And we and like I think you're supposed to believe that Ford got the idea to fuck with him after this conversation, but like if you believe the file theory, that could be the that could be the that could be the you know like the 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 opening gambit of a chess match, you know? Mm-hmm. Like sliding that across the table was him sliding his his pawn up two spaces. Mm-hmm. Uh uh, I, I I I don't know. I don't know. Um, but I mean, do you have an interpretation of what one final game, what the final game I mean, is? It's clearly this door. Yeah, but are we any closer to knowing exactly what that door is? Uh, it, I, it, as it respects William. I, no, I mean, I I mean, no, not unless you want to fast forward <laughs> okay. an hour to the spoiler to the okay, to the yeah, theory yeah. section. Uh, but more to the point about like. The, the you know the William being a liar and like my caution to like really think twice about using anything he says as gospel is he also said that he doesn't we also knew that he doesn't drink mm-hmm. outside the park uh well and, unless he just goes fuck it one night and has Macallan so like yeah they they really are telling a story that you cannot on on multiple on multiple storytelling levels that nothing that William can can that that William says or believes is necessarily to be trusted. I guess I would not equate one drink over the span of X years as drinking outside of the park. No, I'm saying in context like, of this scene. Just like yeah. just like him saying save me a year before his daughter comes in the park to save him isn't especially relevant in real life. But since they're making this thematic connection in the same episode where his wife says, you are not just a liar, you are a lie. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we know that he's delusional. Yeah, yeah. Because he believes that the only person the only two people who could know about that profile mm-hmm. are himself and ford right and he's wrong right he's just straight up wrong about he's, that and he's so, also like it's not even about being lying you're right or sometimes he just doesn't have all the evidence even yeah. though since the universe spins around them he might think he does yeah i'm wondering if ford will ever have one of those moments like because because they also portray ford yeah, as a similar I, master of the universe but he's just never wrong i mean he's god He's God in this world, yeah. so I, I don't think they're ever going to go with Ford being completely wrong. Or about maybe a thing. the story is the Ford Ford's Ford, wrong, Ford being wrong was thirty years ago. Yeah, like I I fucked up at a very fundamental level, and I am now atoning for all of that those mistakes I made. So, I mean, he fucked up very recently with Maeve, right? He tried to guide, he tried true. to make a path for Maeve. That's true. He should have opened a door. You know, yeah, he yeah. admits to a mistake this episode. I guess you're right. So, I guess you're right. Yeah, he he is all about mistakes. Made a few himself. All right, so Bernard approaches Maeve, who searches his mind to find Ford's message to her. And then Bernard finds Elsie in the garage, and Ford says he can't trust her. So Bernard tells her a half-truth, I guess, or or just omits some stuff about Ford. Uh, when, he, when she asks what he found in the cradle, he says there's a system like the cradle called the Forge that they're using to turn humans into hosts and that they need to reach it first. And we find out in this scene also that Bernard is locked out of all the systems. His his thumbprint and yeah. voice print no longer work. He did leave out the crucial, also, Dr. Ford is writing him ahead detail. Yes. Uh, it's, it's, That's why I say it's like a half-truth. It's cause... close, but it's it's more than... It's interesting because it's like a middle... I feel like it's a middle path between what ford wants him to do and what bernard wants to do which is why yeah. i think you're supposed to understand when bernard ejects him from a skull that that's his effort to like 
okay, fuck you. I want an authentic Bernard decision. Mm-hmm. I don't want any more of this trying to see what I can get get away with with your fucking overrides. Um, yeah, and it's crazy to me because the, the idea of do I have a choice and right. uh, choices make a person is all tied up in this episode in Bernard and William. Yeah. And they both have very different feelings on it, I think. Like, William, when he looks for his choices, he's questioning whether he has a choice at all. Bernard is saying that he wants his own choice. Um, they're, they're, they're doing something here, and I'm not exactly sure what it is, but mm-hmm. the parallel of the, that idea between these two characters is interesting to me. Right. Uh, maybe I'll have more insight by the time we get to the end of this. Also, like, you know, the cradle only bigger. Uh, I doubt that we're done with cradle style shenanigans, simulation oh, shenanigans. Yeah. No. Uh, at one point, I think, well, if there are any more, there'll be flashbacks, but like saying that you've got a bigger, badder version of the cradle. Yeah. <laughs> how, how many hosts can All... go into it at one time? <laughs> I mean, I don't know, but like, I, it does have me slightly weird finale because, like, I remember when the cradle was destroyed. We're like, oh, well, this is interesting because now death actually means something, and there's one less layer of mind fuckery that they can do. They're actually placing limits on themselves now. They're essentially retconning all that, and like, is Teddy, is Teddy dead? Is anyone dead? Can they in any have been brought back? Is it all in Peter Abernathy's <laughs> skull? Like. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, if I praise the decision for all those reasons, I have to somewhat criticize the fact that they're they're bringing back a bigger, badder version of a, a Deus Ex Machina device. Yeah, it makes me wonder, like, when William gets to the cradle, is he going to see a simulation of himself running somehow? I mean, like, I mean, we're I just, sometimes I feel we're dangerously close with like Bernard opening his eyes and he's holding a snow globe that has a mesa in it, you know? Right. And like. You know, I, I surely Nolan and Joy is smart enough to know that they can't do that. But of course not. Yeah, I mean it's, it has it's, to have it's, consequences. It's a while. It's a, it's like watching them play high stakes Jenga, though, man. Because this is some really delicate shit. This is some really fragile suspension of disbelief. That and the, the thing that's that's scary. If I was a showrunner, is I release this thing and I think that I've a proper and, and like, but then the audience starts interacting with it and then like it's too late to change at that point. Like you're halfway, with, you know, in some cases. So did you see that they removed the person, the cameraman behind Maeve from that scene? No shit. In they less than a week, and they fixed it. Yeah. Holy fuck. Uh, <laughs> but but I mean, my my larger point is like this is what Nolan and Joy thought that we would enjoy or would be interesting and. Uh-huh they can be just as wrong as, as William and sure. it's, it's kind of too late to course correct for this season but I'm just saying like I just part of the thrilling aspect of this last half of the Westworld season is just like the the high stakes nature it does feel like man these next couple episodes are for our, all the marbles so far it's looking pretty good mm-hmm. last two episodes really good but there's still a lot hinging on, on the finale next week yeah alright the man in black William questions why the righteous upright daughter he knew would want in on the project and she questions how they got all the cognition scans that they'd need to duplicate the guests. William reveals that the hats are the scanners. He then asks if this is about bringing back her mother, to which Emily replies that she wants to know why she did it. Not to bring her back, she just wants to know. Got a so the thing that I think that you have to appreciate is that Emily is putting forth a bunch of mutually uh, in, uh, incompatible theories for why she's here. Yes. First was to save her dad. 
Second was to get cut in on the deal. Third is to understand the death of their mother. It's all, I think, bullshit. And the real reason is she's there to get vengeance upon him. Yeah, to get a confession out of him. Right. I think that threw a lot of people because they're like, oh, like she's she's just like telling like all these lies. What do we know is the truth? Like, no, I mean, you can look at the music box story and essentially come away with the answer because people are questioning. Oh, you know, the music box, like. She threw it away, so how did she find it? Did she find it? Uh, you know, how, why did she tell the man in black that... Why did she tell her father that she... Why did she leave that part out of the story? Well, it's to manipulate him mm-hmm. into confession. Mm-hmm. Her purpose in that speech is to get him to sympathize with her mm-hmm. and, and, and share in their mutual guilt right. to the point where he will confess, which... If she says later classic on, classic interrogation tactic. Hey, uh, she actually picked this music box back up, and I found your profile in it. Right. And you're a horrible monster that drove her to suicide. Exactly. That doesn't work. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So she's using pieces of the truth to try and evoke a reaction. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, but we'll get there. Uh, I thought it was interesting because, like, a lot of people pointed out that. Uh, in early scenes uh, where we see like the drones at work and the data collection procedure that they're mm-hmm. like above each host that they're extracting brains there's also these translucent bins that just hold dozens of hats yes. yeah and we we saw those right we, we pointed those we out were, in that episode yeah but didn't understand the true nature of it right that like yeah these are that that's the the whole collection and a fact that like it makes more sense because I've thought about it. it's like well Westworld is the first park and like William said, we're, we didn't even know what what we needed at first. We need to record everything. Subsequent parks, maybe they don't need that technology anymore because it's collected every time you walk through a door or whatever. I don't that that explains why hats aren't as prevalent in like maybe Samurai World or Raj World because they're later editions. But everybody was forced into the hats. And also, like someone pointed out that there's a little bit of an extra seduction to Angela offering like. All of this stuff is bespoke. Your boots and uh-huh. and like this and that and your hats. Pick out your hat. like like. There's this subtle, you know. Everybody gets a hat. It's Westworld. Come on, don't be an asshole. Wear a hat. Yeah, I'll suck your dick if you wear a hat. You know, like there, there's <laughs> or, that. There's, or if not, uh, either way, <laughs> right? Just wear a hat. <laughs> yeah. Come on, a hat. You got to wear a hat. Like there is a lot of like hat pushing in that early episode. There is. It makes me wonder why William wears a hat because. He knows. Yeah. He certainly obviously knows. So I mean, at this point, he's already got the results and he's a psycho, so who gives a fuck, right? It's true, yeah. His first encounter where he didn't know. Right, right. Uh, I, the other thing, because I, hmm, I, 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 are you thinking what I was thinking? He, he had to have known from the very beginning, though, right? He had to know that the hats were recording his every move from the very beginning, because this whole thing was his idea in the first place. That's... Selling James Delos... On the idea was part and parcel of this thing. Yes, you so are. You are correct um, because I, I also saw some theories where people were like, "Oh, they must have like done this personality scan stuff on Logan to know he was an easy mark to fund the park." And I'm like, "But whoa, 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 whoa! It wasn't happening before." Exactly. Then. So I want to go back and edit all that, and that you know maybe maybe may, I, I don't know why I don't know why Angela's pushing the hat so hard now. Actually, because it's a chicken and egg problem. Or this is the other thing is like we are we starting to tug the edges of the simulation and we are going to find out that William was replaced as a host a long time ago. When when did William get that idea? Because 
didn't Logan between bring the first him and into second, the park? No, it was to... between the first and second visit. Because when, exactly, they, when yeah. he helicoptered in, Logan has already been displaced and kind of Did disgraced. Did we see the and... stuff that he did in the first visit on that the profile? No, but we did see. Uh, okay. We saw okay. some so young there, William stuff. We, I know we that. saw the scene of William dragging Dolores into the barn. Yeah, that's old was, William. I don't know how that appeared on that profile. That personality well, it's profile. That's because the man in black's hat is still doing the same shit. Well, what I'm saying is, like, does he? Did he? Did he? Does he? Every time is, is that part of his annual pilgrimage? He arrives and drags Dolores off in the exact same way to the I, exact I think, same barn. I think so. Yeah. I guess I could buy I, I that. I think it was clear that in Dolores's like flashbacks in the barn mm-hmm. that like the man in black had done that many times. Hmm. Okay. Because so there's a little bit of wiggle room, but a lot of people were using that as proof that like this is all fabricated because that's a scene that we know only happened a week ago. So I'm trying to think. I, I, or happened somewhere between the last fidelity check with Jim Dalos and the gala. Yeah, which is this probably way after when Juliet saw the 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 psychological profile of her husband. Yeah, I can talk about this all day, but let's move yeah. on. So, so super super good. Uh, I did find it funny that as soon as he, you know, tells her about the hat, she's like, "Oh God!" and she takes it off, and then right. he says, "They scan you down to your core," and she's like, "Eh," puts it back on. Right, right. <laughs> really, you're okay with that? You didn't know you were going to die today, just, did she you? She just bragged all her dad about all the robots she fucked. I think she's, like, maybe over it. <laughs> oh, yeah. They've already got that. Plus, the Mesa's on fire. Maybe she's thinking, eh, probably not collecting data now. <laughs> <laughs> all right, William and Juliet arrive home from the party, and she begins shouting about him being a phony. On seeing this, Emily decides that her mother needs to go back to rehab. William says, we'll talk about it later, and takes her upstairs to put her to bed and also to hide that card, the profile that Ford gave him in a book. Uh, just Slaughterhouse Five in Westworld. Emily questions aloud what she's missing about her mother's death, and we flash back again to that night. And Emily is talking with William about committing her mother to rehab in the dining room. When they see water dripping from the ceiling, uh, William runs upstairs to find her dead in the tub. Right. Did you well, see the thread about whether this is the same tub that we saw? Oh God, did I ever see it? Yes. I'm like Jesus yes, Christ. It, the double tub theory is alive. The double, is all tub, I'm the double tub theory is a thing. I rub a double tub, <laughs> uh, three Juliets in a tub, right? And maybe one of them's a robot, William. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I I looked at it and like halfway down the thread, which shocked the hell out of me. Someone put some pretty compelling evidence that it's the same tub. It's just different lighting and angle. Which or, is... or it's a different tub, and they just had to redress the set because they right. Like, they had different shots at different times. Like, production issues might have happened here. Right. Like, like for example, they clearly did not intend the cameraman to be filming Maeve walking down the main street of Westworld. Right. But yet, it was there. It is a production mistake. It yes. does happen. They fucked up dates before. Like, like it, 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 it can and will happen to yeah. even shows that really sweat the details. Like, oh, shit, we didn't get the, the B-roll we needed. Right. Uh, now, I, I will say that there is nothing I can say to say absolute certainty that there isn't two separate tubs, and we're supposed to notice that because right. and, and it's, you're going to understand that this is, uh, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, a ding dong But I, 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 yeah, go on Reddit if you want to see the double tub theory. Yeah. I don't care to ever think about the double tub theory again. <laughs> yeah, I'm actively hostile to the double tub. <laughs> I did realize how she could have seen where he put this profile card. 
There's there's that horrible bamboo mirror in the corner. Oh, sure. And right. when, when he's placing the card, you can see her face in it. Right. She saw the bamboo so. mirror. Instantly, her eyes began to roll, and then it just landed <laughs> yeah. on, like, she's like, Jesus Christ. This is the, He's a monster because he makes me sleep in his bamboo shit frame. <laughs> uh, yeah. Now, so you haven't read Slaughterhouse-Five. I haven't. I no. read it. Um, I know it's about Billy Pilgrim, though. It, you're right. And, and like, crazy time. I, I, was, I, I knew about the... Because because the I, I read this book like three years ago. We were on our way to maybe the first well, like one of the Walker Stalker cons. I read it like in one long plane trip, uh, and it really really like amazed me and stuck with me. Like you know, wow, this is this is this is recognizably important work. I understand why people uh, you know uh, give it all the dap, uh, but it is. It's about a guy named Billy. Uh, pilgrim, which is interesting because his wife says an annual pilgrimage, and he's unstuck in time, and he's kind of flashing back and forth over several different timelines. There's even some like weird, like if he is Billy Pilgrim, there's also a lot of stuff in the book where Billy gets abducted by aliens and is put inside an alien zoo, and the experience of him like being behind this glass and looking at his alien world is similar to like a host waking up and behavior. No shit. Uh, so of course that means William is a, a is a full full on host mm-hmm. with two tubs. <laughs> uh, Maybe she killed herself in one bathroom right. and then they moved her to a second bathroom. Right. I, I thought it's interesting that she fakes being asleep and gets this confession out of him. Yeah. Uh, like 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 I'm impressed with her being super drunk and under what's probably a powerful pharmaceutical sleep aid that she's able to she hates him that so much that she can she she can stave off all those effects yeah and apparently her suicide involved both pills and i think cutting her wrists right well i mean she took at least one sleeping pill which means she had access to it and there's there's a a lot of blood in the tub there's a bottle next to her oh okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. edge of the tub right but there's 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 a lot a lot of blood in the tub too yeah I'm not going into tub two theories. tubs worth of blood in one tub. Two tubs, one blood. I don't know. What does it mean? Uh, all right, we're back in Westworld. William's back on the idea that Emily is a ploy from Ford, and he starts raving about burning this place down. Uh, Emily gives him the real truth that she's pretending to care about him and is actually here to burn him down. Her mother left his profile for her to view and see the truth. Security pulls up to extract him, but William kills them all before. Murdering Emily, who he believes is still a host, uh, when he goes to open her up to prove it, he finds the profile card in her hand. And this scene is going to take about three and a half hours to dissect properly, so uh, set your watch. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Skip ahead uh, at least an hour. Mm -hmm. At least an hour, and we might get to the point. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, okay. You start off Here's the thing. Because the, the, my, you're right. There's like three separate attempts to de- determine whether fucking Emily's real, and the show stops halfway through the process on on it all. But I think there's one regard in which they go all the way. Okay, and I think that is the music box. Uh, here, here's where I come down on this. Emily has it's a heart shaped. Uh, like I said before, Emily has told her father exactly what he needs to hear to try and elicit a confession from him. Right. Or just to get him to comply so she can bring him to justice, whatever. Right. Yeah. And so the first half of this music box story is told through through Emily's dialogue. The second half of this music box story is told through the visuals, mm-hmm. what we see with Juliet. Um, and then even by Emily herself, she said, Mom left me the card. Mom left me your profile right. to show me who you really are. Right. Uh, 
that's the important thing here. Not like, oh, how did how did her mom get the music box? Why didn't Emily tell her father about it? That's not the point. The point is the episode is trying to tell us through this profile card that Emily is real. And also that her mom and her had this back like this this post death backdoor to communicate where she like like yeah. like her mom was able to successfully convince her that your dad didn't love you and I loved you this whole time and tried to protect you and you thought we were disconnected but we weren't because I searched through the trash and got this birthday present and kept it safe kept it close to me and used it as a message conveyance that your father's a monster. Yeah, no, I... Yeah, I, and the language of the storytelling here couldn't be more clear, in my opinion, on I, second and third viewings. That's, but, but if you watch it once, I can see yes. old being, like, very distracted, which I think is an intentional effect. Like, this is... It is up until this point, This yes. is an expert magic trick. That uh-huh. this, is, this is the sleight of hand. This is the, you know, pay no attention to what's going on in my left hand as it slides in my pocket that you're supposed to be so... Uh, down the rabbit hole about whether Emily's lying or not, or if this is a discrepancy, or if she's just failed the uh, fidelity test, that your the true payload escapes you. Yeah, there there are a couple of things here that are obvious in my in my mind in mm-hmm. hindsight. Like I look at the reaction of the the security guy who's scanning her. Nothing seemed out of the ordinary. Right. They didn't show us the green light. But nothing seemed out of the ordinary to him before he's gunned down. But I don't think he would until it, like... He finished the scan. He totally finished that scan. Did he? And and we, he was totally cool with the result. So hmm. I don't think he How do saw you know? anything. Because I watched it. Okay. <laughs> three times. Well, what was the... I, I, I'm... He steps away from her and looks at the scanner and then puts it away. Oh, okay. Well, like, then, yeah. <laughs> before You're right. Be, like, moments before he's You're right. Down. If she was a robot, he'd be like, well, I got a robot here, you know. Yeah. Or yeah, maybe he'd not. he'd pull up a gun, he'd do something. No, he'd start to st- instantly try to seduce her. <laughs> right. He'd, he'd start suggestively waggling way. his grenade-laden See, hips in her direction. He's, he's not a purpose-built machine for seduction. <laughs> right. Or maybe he is. I don't know what he's like in the bedroom, but he definitely thought she was a, a human. Here's the other thing. Yeah. The whole point of having the man in black say, there are only two people in this world who know about my profile, me and Ford, You're Right. is to immediately prove him wrong when he finds this card in her hand. Right. That's well, the whole point of that scene. If she is a robot, then Ford could now, like, you start getting into... Right, but but I'm talking about storytelling. I'm talking about storytelling here. I'm not talking about, like, what could or couldn't be. What they're trying to convey to you is that w- we know where this card was last. Right. And if you're talking about two cards, then they're just fucking with us. And that's not interesting. That's That's reducing later on the emotional impact of this scene, which should be devastating to William. Yes. It, there, there's no hint that there are ever two cards in this. this episode. Let me ask you this, because yeah. I, I guess, um, does the emotional payload depend on William being a real person too, or does it work no. if he's a host? I okay, think it works if he's a host. Because like that was the thing I was going to challenge you, because I think you get way too ahead of yourself if you want to have that, and then say like, well, if it's a robot, it doesn't matter. Um, no, it matters just as much as Teddy killing himself does to Dolores. Well, like, I, so I, I just want to say what I, because I, I want to, I want to play devil's advocate myself, uh-huh. uh, don the satanic lawyer suit, and say that if if I'm a person arguing the other side on r slash Westworld, I would say that. Yes, it is them fucking with us, um, but it's super possible that Ford could produce this card and this android daughter. Possible, but everything the episode is telling us is exactly the opposite. 
Right. Exactly. It, not, if you I'm trace not this card, that. I'm just trying to articulate the I, argument. I know. I, I'm not. I'm arguing it's this fictional redditor, right? Like, right, right. Which is no, like, I don't and, even and want like to say you, redditor, but this fictional theorizer. And, and if you want to say that, like, it's 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 uh, implausible, then like, you know, there's a lot of things like the Joker does and the Dark Knight that in, is implausible, but yet Nolan sure. wrote it, and mm-hmm. you don't really notice it unless you watch it a couple times. So like. I can see where people are looking for the sleight of hand and looking for the like. Absolutely, you can't be and like, I was well, the first time around. Yeah. Right, right. So I think we've covered both sides of that pretty good. And anything else we because I, I we we're, we're it's much less than three hours have elapsed, and I feel like we're getting towards the end. Uh, I mean, the, <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the quotes that we haven't like really talked about was like, you know, it's interesting. She says, "I'm your daughter, pretending to give a shit about you." That's a very ambiguous statement that could imply that, you know, she's also says to her father that you are in your very essence a lie. Um, but the other thing is like, like speak like, like this is a crossing a Rubicon moment because I do believe this is the first time William has actually shed actual blood. Yeah. If which, you don't consider the host as he probably doesn't to be alive. Right. But certainly at the times he killed them. Right. Uh, and, and to me, this like like he does it in like this moment of fury and in ends up killing and delusion and delusion. Yeah. Right. Now, the one thing I want to say is like that I, that, that I don't know if they're going to play with this or not, but like his daughter says, I'm going to bring you and I'm going to reveal your secrets and I'm going to bring you down and lock you up. Mm hmm. And she has a. I think she thinks that this like psychological profile is going to be the key. I, I crunched some numbers, and if the this personality type is uh, the rarity that they say it is, and assuming there's still seven billion people on the planet, which is not a safe assumption in 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 thirty years from now, but there'd be something like fifty million people in the world that have this personality type. Like it seems rare until you start talking about billions of people. And the other interesting thing is, like, this is the classic that there's been a lot of literature of late that says that essentially almost every president or CEO has this type of personality. And I'm wondering, like, what the real world would have to say about something like this. Like, like. If if Delos is trying to take over the world, it would be interesting if like all these rich, powerful people have essentially the same archetype. Uh, and there's there is there is so, support for that in like you know studies and whatnot. And I, I just I, this is something I was in, I was like turning over in my head. Like if if they're trying to make a point that like William is a, a rich and powerful CEO and he's a psychopath, but then so are most rich and powerful CEOs. Yeah. Yeah, I guess the only other person we have in that position, well, we have two people, I suppose, James Delos and Ford himself. Right. And and they're all somewhat on the crazy spectrum, I'd say. At, certainly at points in their life, yeah. Right. I mean, James Delos pretty much all the way. Right. Uh Ford well, I mean, Ford is had a change of heart. Yeah, but. but it's but still Ford to fully embody the godhood that he is. Mm-hmm. That is that's that's just delusional that is delusional like that's reading your own press like just because you've created a race of sentient beings does not mean (laughs) you're god dude but he is kind of like really playing that that up Mm -hmm. uh so like yeah i'm comfortable saying he's delusional he might be a good guy he might be very powerful he might be mostly right but like anytime you start saying i'm a god like you know you're you're at least john (laughs) lennon levels of delusional (laughs) sure (laughs) 
I I do think that Man in Black has to burn this place to the ground now because he's got the hat on recording all of these human murders. Sure. He, now he could be in some real, real trouble, like right. actual real trouble. Yeah, he's committed murder most foul. Yes. This is an actual crime. I think we all agree. So he's got to burn this place down now. Yes. Um, all right, Ford appears to Maeve and tells her how much she meant to him as his favorite host, and he tried to guide her out to safety, but that was a mistake on his part. He tells her not to let the humans end her here, and then she, or potentially he, unlocks her core permissions, or some kind of core permissions. It's it's ambiguous whether it's within her or within the park, um, the park systems. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're either she's either unlocking her ultimate hidden super badass abilities or she's also getting god mode for the park. I think the result yeah. is going to be the same. I would think so, yeah. Like, she can effortlessly rewrite host behavior, like, on a scale that's even more impressive than before. She can have yeah. unlock all of her core attributes. Like, who the hell knows? But, like, I think it's going to essentially allow her to, I don't know, cause a stampede of cattle to go through. Uh, the halls of Westworld. Sure, Something at least like that. bare minimum. <laughs> she might be able to stop bullets. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Who knows? I mean, literally, she could. If these bullets are still manufacturing a friend or fire. She could just. There's a brief scene of her kind of like holding up her hand, Neo style, in in the preview for next week. <laughs> just like, saying no. <laughs> she could just. Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming she could just turn all those rounds to be whatever, like clay pigeons, or I don't know. Yeah. Uh, we should we could see some real freaky deaky stuff next week. Sounds awesome. Uh, I I like this scene here. We talked about it a bit in the intro, but with uh, Ford telling her, "You stayed in this world to save your child, and so have I." It's it's a very touching scene. Did you read? So you read it that someone had pointed out that like Anthony Hopkins has a daughter that he's estranged from. Yeah, but I've also heard he doesn't really care. Like there there have been. Hmm. interviews with him where he's like yeah i don't really know anything about my child or grand grandchildren and i don't really care well like that's... I'm, I'm okay with how everything has turned out essentially yeah i mean i you know who knows what's like i don't have a hat on him that's reading his thoughts yeah, yeah. but uh i can imagine that would be a well to draw from that, exactly like to me like i was really impressed by like you know how powerful a moment that was and then i read that i'm like well that makes sense if he can draw on like a tenth of that yeah that actual pain and i understand like if someone uh you know like i wouldn't take it too kindly if somebody surprised me with some kind of bullshit about my former in-laws in the middle of a interview or something like and i'd probably give a pretty flip answer uh -huh. that's not but yeah I, I don't know or at some point but also it's called acting at some point you don't yeah, yeah. have to you know, experience everything in life to be able to portray it. You know, right? You can find the like emotion, like maybe when. Although he is also a serial killer, he's drawing so. that time where his roommate in college ate the last last burrito in the freezer, and the, and the tears rolling down his cheek. Like who knows? Who knows? It's just an interesting. It's 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 interesting that he has gone through something like this. Yeah, and at some point he had to contemplate it and feel something right. about it. So you you think right. Um. So I found it interesting here that this is the scene where he admits the mistake, right? That mm -hmm. he shouldn't have charted a path for Maeve so much as opened a door. Mm -hmm. um, which is interesting because it's a similar mistake to the one that Arnold made. And, and yes. I feel like he made this mistake. It, it's strange because he makes this mistake with Maeve. 
but he seemingly doesn't make this mistake with Dolores, right? He says, like, I knew what she would do, kind of, but I gave her the choice to do it. He didn't program her to do that, whereas we saw with Maeve, he actually sat down and wrote the code to program her to leave. Right. So charting her path, why did he do these two very incongruous things to two different hosts at the same time? Well, there's always opportunity he's not exactly telling the truth about the stuff with the, the with, with what he did to Do- Dolores. And now, sure. yeah. like, I'm also wondering if, like, because we've several times the baton has been, as a protagonist, has been handed back and forth. And I can kind of see where you're going to go down this line that, like, in season three, you'll come to understand that Maeve is the one that had, like, the artificial fake freedom. And Dolores is the one that was making all of her own decisions. And that's why her plot is messier and less cinematic and maybe less... Uh, you know, it's it's more angsty, angry teenager and less you know mature wealth because it's not it's it's not as scripted. Maybe like I yeah. I could I could I, I, I'm somewhat annoyed because like I can see how you could just flip that back and forth in six seasons and in the end be like, what did we learn? Mind blown. And I I, I don't know. I um I forget where I was going with that. I think I I think I just I think I just need to stop talking because I think I made the point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess. You know, he has admitted to a mistake in this scene that could also have been his mistake to, you know, over. Maybe, maybe he realized that, you know, he programmed right. her, Maeve and then said, oh, well, maybe that's not the way to go. Or maybe this is an A-B test. Maybe this is like I'll program one of them to get out and then I'll let the other do right. what I think they need to do to get to their own conclusion. What did he mean by he said at some point I thought the only way to survive this world is to laugh and I imbued my host that I made with a worldview that reflected my own. Hmm. What that what is the point of that? <laughs> None of these people are laughing. No, but they do None have like Maeve is had has always had some of the best like Bon Mots. Sure, yeah. And I'm wondering if like this is a critic like a, a, a lot of criticism last year was like everyone speaks in these Shakespearean crazy ass monologues and that well if they were all imbued with the anthony hopkins you know dr ford spirit that would explain why they do speak like this Mm -hmm. and i wonder if you can like chart a difference between the host created by ford versus the horse uh, the the host the horses (laughs) the host horses created by i mean they also yes they're a horse (laughs) host for Arnold and then like the the vulgar ones that are like 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 Rebus like that's a Lee guy yeah, like, yeah. that's a Lee guy oh, right that's definitely Lee uh, so like I wonder if you could like <laughs> chart a course and figure out who built built who like yeah it's interesting though because like that would imply that Bernard you know Arnold built Dolores so Dolores shouldn't do that have have those kind she of she certainly doesn't seem yeah. like she has a sense of humor no uh, her and Teddy one maybe of things... those are Arnold creations. Yeah. They're much more dour. Arnold had a flair for the, the dramatic, I less, guess. Less devil may care. Yeah. Uh, all right. I think I, that's... I do find that, that William and Dolores going the exact opposite direction, you know, with their children, essentially, mm-hmm. uh, is is interesting because, he, you know, he talks about coming in here and saving his child. William and Dolores kill their children, you know? Teddy, Teddy is the creation of Dolores at this point. Mm-hmm. She drove him to kill himself at the end of this episode mm-hmm. uh william literally killed his daughter I, they're they're just like monsters in my opinion you yeah know? yeah no it's and and whether or not they'll change their ways after realizing that is i think the question but yeah uh yeah it's pretty horrible all right we move on to bernard and elsie 
They stop to collect ammo from some dead bodies when Ford tries to convince Bernard to kill Elsie. He decides to handcuff himself to the steering wheel of the buggy, and he deletes Ford from his head. Question mark. Bernard decides to leave Elsie and gives her a transponder so the QA can find her, and he drives away. Uh, this seems all too easy to delete Ford, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, I also question why later on in the timeline, as we know it, he would be defragging his head so severely. Mm-hmm. Uh, during the interrogations with Hale, if Ford weren't still in there, there's there's more to come. No way. Yeah. No way. It was easy. Ford that, won't that go easy. out like that. No. Right. Right. He's still in there. He's lurking. Yeah. Um, I do wish that they had they had let Elsie react a little bit naturally to this because, like, they in, they the end of the scene is her being discomforted by how weird Bernard is acting, and uh, Ford ab- abandons her. With probably a bucket and some protein bars. Uh, yeah. We'll wait for... We'll see in mid-season three, Elsie. But she'll uh, be looking better than she'll ever. She'll be looking better than yeah. ever, right. Uh, but... Oh, shit. I got I got to distract myself with my own joke. Um, I, I wish that, like... Because how far away did she get from Bernard? And Bernard's literally screaming, Get out of my fucking head! <laughs> yeah. and care. Like, why does... Like, it, it would work so much better if she had, like, come up sprinting. Like, what the hell is going on? And, like... Just, I don't need much, man. Just a little bit of acknowledgement of, like, how weird this is. Yeah. You know? This is, but this, again, like, every host-human interaction feels weird and off to me. Like, it's, it's, some, 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 that needs some tune-up. That definitely, like, anytime humans are planning against hosts or hosts are planning against humans, they just need to tighten that, that shit up. Because, not fatal, but I would, I would have much more enjoyed this scene if she had done that because the whole time it's happening i'm like how is she strolling up nonchalantly yeah didn't find any ammo on the ground oh you're handcuffed to the ch- right. like yeah I heard somebody screaming though i don't know what exactly, that was all about exactly exactly uh so or maybe not have bernard scream get out of my fucking head like either or yeah uh anyway do a mind scream just show him screaming that in his own head maybe that's what happened moving his mouth maybe this is a time where he was on a loop and he was driving the dune buggy <laughs> and he didn't have right. Elsie. Uh, what do you make of you? So I, I, you, you spent some time thinking about this concept of Tim Shell. I did, but real quick before we get to that, because okay. that'll probably be a discussion. Uh, we ha- clearly haven't seen the end of Elsie, right? She's going to pop up somewhere. She's going to pop up mid-season three with a bucket and protein bars and flawless <laughs> no, makeup. Do you have any, oh, like, no, I, no, real surely. guesses she, as to where she's going to pop up? Is she going to hook up with security and head toward I the valley? I keep going back to what Bernard says is if anybody can fix this with sheer force of will, it's yeah. you. Like, that implies that she has a greater... A great, but then that's me saying that every line of dialogue has to drip with meaning. Right. Um, that could just be something Bernard said to give her a shot in the arm and didn't really mean, or he's wrong. Like, but I, to me, I think it's better storytelling to have that pay off. Mm-hmm. But it does feel like she is very much a minor character in the end game here. Like, it, this is going to be a three way confrontation between Maeve, Dolores, and William. They seem like they've made that very clear in this final episode about mm-hmm. the great... And probably... I think it's going to be more a, of a shit a show. The humans. You got a Kichita uh, in there, Kichita, too. Yeah. I so, think Elsie could be important. Um, like Because right. Bernard They're, has clearly not had the point... He's yeah. not been pushed to the point where he has to make a choice. Yeah. He's made the easy choice right now, right. which is to leave Elsie and not have to deal with her. Right. At some point, I think there needs to come a choice between helping the host escape or doing something righteous and killing Elsie. 
or, or the this is like the the because Ford keeps on saying she'll betray you. She's inevitably going to betray right. you. She's like maybe this is uh, this is Ford trying to like have the host disprove or prove this hypothesis. Like maybe there are humans that are open minded enough that absolutely yeah they will like I see you as a real person and a friend. I don't give a shit what anybody else thinks. I'm going to help you. Like, I know and, there would and, be. Yeah. and these hosts need those types of humans to have any kind of shot in the world. Right. So I think that maybe her role will be a human that they can trust. But I do think or maybe they're she'll really be stressing this idea of choice, right? This Tim yeah. Shell thing is tied so deeply into that. Um, mm-hmm. So Tim Shell, I, I guess when he says Tim Shell, thou mayest, he's talking about a choice that Arnold or sorry, Bernard needs to make between sinning and not sinning right. essentially. But that's like the larger context of it from Genesis, I guess, when God is talking to Cain. Right before he murders Abel. Right before he murders Abel. It's about the offering that they both brought, and uh-huh. God is dis- God respects uh, Abel's offering, doesn't right. respect Cain's, and then Cain goes off the rails, and he's all distraught, and God's but what, like... But God is trying to say, he's like, this is, it's your heart condition. You're full right. of jealousy and, and, and hatred, and like, if you don't watch out... And you out, have a choice over that. Yeah, like, sin is crouching at the door, ready to overtake you, but... And thou, thou mayest, you know, thou mayest rule over you. Right. Which also implies thou mayest not yeah, rule the, over the, you. That this is, it's not a fate. It's not a, it's, it's not a uh, inevitability. It's something that Cain, uh, yeah. ha- the needs to struggle with. Right. And that, Spoiler that alert, is, he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, it may end badly for Elsie because that's the exact point that Ford is making to Bernard. He has a choice to make here, you know, and I don't think his choice to make was, leave Elsie behind to be saved or not. Well, there's also... His choice is going to be much more difficult. If I want to talk about your favorite literary device, the the Christ figure... (laughs) um, Uh, Did Jesus handcuff himself to a steering wheel? He did. He did. He did. Uh I know know Jesus was a Honda man because him and his apostles (laughs) always were in one accord. Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Jesus uh, Christ. (laughs) Um, Shit. Again, I got distracted by my own joke. Uh... I think that it would be interesting if Elsie has to die as the one innocent human that just wanted good things for all the hosts to, like, redeem humanity in the host eyes. Like, if she ends up dying to save the host to, like, put an exclamation point on Bernard, Maeve, Dolores, some comment at at Kichita that, oh, shit, not all of these are are monsters. And also, probably not all of the hosts are angels. Sure, in a similar way to perhaps Emily needing to die to show and, and, William and that. if I were to make a, be bold, I would say the bulk of the remaining seasons of this show are going to wrestle with that question. Yeah. Not all humans are devils, not all hosts are angels. The bulk of the remaining of this season, or seasons. the seasons, okay? Because yeah. you can. That's I'm like it's almost over, man. That's a lot of that's that's a lot of story to to unpack. It is, but it's interesting stuff. Um, so let's move on to William stopping in a field, putting a gun to his head as we flash back to him telling Juliet the truth about the darkness inside him. He confesses that he belongs to Westworld, not to her or this world. And when he leaves, Juliet finds the card he hid and views his profile. Horrified, she hides it um, in her music box. And then William's voiceover questions whether he has choices at all, whether those choices make him up. Um, you meanwhile, said, he's decided not to shoot himself, and he digs into his arm with a knife, presumably to check whether he's a host. Uh, you you said that it was Juliet's music box. That's actually 
Emily's, right? I mean, possession, possession ninth into the law. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But so I just, I just want to make it's Juliet's. This but is confusing. I want to make sure we don't further confuse people. This is the you, same music box that Emily is talking there about. There you yes. go. There you go. Uh, uh, th- there's there's a lot of stuff in that we see in William's profile that we could talk about here. There's a lot of a lot of symbolism themes. Where do you want to start? I don't. I feel like the we've... profile. It's the easiest to dig into, I guess. Why? Because he it it shows a couple of things. A he's subject number two. Yeah. Okay. Which true, I think is interesting. That I'm is... assuming that James Dalos is subject number one. It just depends on what this means. Is it the first ex- person? So we know for a fact that there's no way William can be the second person in Westworld. Because there's multiple, unless that's literally the first train back after Logan has reopened the park. But Logan's been many, many times. We see yeah. lots of guests fuck, fucking around in the park. So, like, to me, I think you're the right. only other number two it could be is like replacement that he's uh so so like it, they the, could the, have slid by the fact that William is a host uh right right underneath our noses here. Yeah, and I mean if this is a quest for immortality, think about who would who would want it the most, right? Sure. James Delos, he's dying. He actively needs immortality. He needs this project to succeed. He's host number 1. Uh number 2 would be, you know, the next most important person in line, right, who's searching for immortality, right. William. Seems logical. Why would he want it? That's my, my my big question is: Does William know? I guess why wouldn't you? If you if you could get the ability to live forever, mm-hmm. I suppose most people would, on the surface of it, say yes. Give me that. Yeah, I guess. But why would that be the se- like? Why would you subject yourself to be the second? I, I yeah, I, I know because there's no cost in it really, right? No, like, there's not. But just with- go to Westworld, wear this hat. You're good. William didn't seem like he was a big fan of the project, but then that's at the end of but his life. But that changed, yeah. Okay. That yeah. changed over the years, I guess, like Ford did. I guess you're right. But that, I, again, like I, I completely reject that number one is Logan, number two is William, just because I don't think that works out. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and then we see some of the personality traits of William here. There's delusions, paranoid subtype, and... Persecution the one I found complex. In, yeah, interesting is the persecutory subtype. Mm-hmm. So he views himself as a victim in mm-hmm. this whole situation. Uh, well, this very no, strange to me. Like, that matches the, his previous, like, that he wants to appeal this judgment he got. Like, he feels uh-huh. aggrieved by Ford. Like, you've, yeah. you've, you've wrongly mischaracterized me. And I think this is the verdict that he's appealing. The fact uh, okay, that Okay, I was going to ask you who you thought was judging him. Okay, yeah, Ford. I, I think this is the verdict that he's rebelling against. This persecution, delusional, paranoid thing. That he's yeah. like, this is not me. Right. Um, so there's a little detail here that I think contributes to how you should understand this final scene with William mm-hmm. of the episode. Mm-hmm. There, when he has the gun to his head, uh, there's a fly that lands on his hat. And we yep. understand, and, and it's a accompanying sound effect and everything. Yep. It's not just like, oh, some random fly on the set. Uh-huh. This was intentional. It was given a sound effect. Right. You know? Uh, this, this is always associated with awakenings in hosts. And I don't want to say, like, oh, he's definitely a host here. What I want to say is this is an awakening for him. You're right. He has he has understood that he was the cause of Juliet's death. Now that now that he knows she had seen his profile, um, th- this guilt that he feels, I think, is is stronger than ever. And now he's turning to whatever he can grasp to continue. Right. Um, 
I, I, but th- also and I think that, that is reflected in him searching himself like am I a host yeah D- do I have my choices that were my own that I made that caused this or was I programmed this way right and I think that the real question because that could absolve him you know he's looking for something to absolve and himself. the way he rubbed his arm like I wonder if like this has been something that he does on a fairly regular basis like I just need to check that I'm real because I keep every yeah. time I go to the park I feel like you know but the the thing that I think the William might not know is that well he should that the human host bodies maybe not have a USB port in their the armpit of their arm. What do you call that? Is it yeah, what they call uh, the, the, the ditch? Uh, sh- sure. I heard like tattoo the people tract. call it the ditch. The tract. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know because that's where you inject. Yeah. It's the it's the tract. Yeah. Uh, there's just got to be a word for the reverse of your elbow, the back side of your the, the back in, of your the elbow, the, the the front of your elbow. Yeah. Like the back of the knee. That's what you call it. It's the front of the elbow. Uh. I mean, I, that's the thing I keep coming back is like these human bodies have to be fully indistinguishable from real human bodies or the jig would be up. But we also know that the show has definitely told us that's not going to happen because they have these marbles inside their head. Right. Uh, so. So they could very well have the the jacks. So I wonder the other. But we also know that hosts are programmed to not see things they're not supposed to see so it could be that william digs in his arm and there's like the usb outlet but he just doesn't it doesn't look like anything to him yeah um so it's interesting it's like one of those things where like someone has told him that like the other christopher Nol- the other nolan work uh, inception he's got this totem that he can always check but mm-hmm. he, he 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 can't but i mean that's the thing like as he's holding a gun to his head and he's he's there's his voiceover saying were any of these choices ever mine to begin with and as he starts digging his arm his wife's words echoing is this real are you real like uh, uh to me it was shocking that they made that they end up leaving ambiguous which almost is enough to make me think that he's probably not a robot <laughs> yeah i, he's I probably don't not a host which is amazing because i was full on board <laughs> the fact that they've got me back on my heels a little bit uh, is uh, bravo. <laughs> bravo. I don't know the answer to that, but I think I think in this episode it's not as important as the fact that he's questioning it, you know? Yeah. Because that's, that's the point here. The well, looking for that absolution. Yeah, that's the other thing is like, you know, speaking of like, you know, Garden of Eden type issues where he says, what is a person with a collection of choices, but where do those choices come from? Like that's something I always had problems with when I was, you know, a practicing Christian. Like, why drop your child like when I brought a child into the world I put fucking foam rubber over all the sharp edges I put stuff in the outlet so he couldn't stick a butter knife in there I watched him like a hawk and guided him God essentially puts us in a room with a live wire and says if you eat this thing that you can eat and there's nothing preventing you from doing it you're gonna fucking die yeah have fun kids like (laughs) You know, yeah, choices define you, but you don't get to def- you don't get to choose your choices. You don't get to choose where what you what you're born into. You don't get to choose your environment. So, like, you know, a lot of this. Well, you are the choices you make is kind of some bullshit because yeah. you know, going back to the first, none of us chose to be born. So fuck everything. <laughs> fuck you, Ford. Right. Let's I just, didn't choose to you be know born. What? Let's just read Nishi to the rest of the for the rest <laughs> of the podcast and and you know figure some shit out. <laughs> I, I do think that the the idea the the Tim Shell word here uh, pl- plays in in an interesting way because as I understand it from reading the works of people who have researched this, mm-hmm. 
for years the mm-hmm. single word and what right. it means in context. God is essentially saying that one of the fundamental things being human is is having the choice to sin or not. Right. Um, and in that regard, the man in black is essentially questioning the very thing that makes him human, which I think right. is delicious in the context of, you know, potentially also being a host as he's digging into his arm. Right, right. He's saying, do I have any choice at all? Right. Uh, well, if you're human, you know, the Bible would say, yes, you do. Right. You most certainly do. And that's the, that's the Christian response to the, the tree of good, the knowledge of good and evil is that it had to be there or else... Sure, yeah, yeah. You know, how would you sin against God? Violate natural law? Like, disobey gravity? Like, yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you had no way to express a rebellion against him, then... But, sure. uh, I, I don't know. I don't... don't that Didn't find the answer satisfying, and thus here I am. Uh, <laughs> All right, we got one more juicy scene to talk about. Yes! Uh, Teddy and Dolores stop at this uh, just really ramshackle building. Mm-hmm. Uh, Teddy begins pondering who he was made to be and how that factors into who he is today. And his love for Dolores is his cornerstone. He remembers seeing her for the first time uh, when he was activated and he saw her in the lab. It's all so sweet, but it immediately turns dark when Teddy decides he can't live with the changes that Dolores has made to him and blows his brains out right in front of her. Mm -hmm. And Dolores screams, a silent scream. I thought it was interesting how they had the choice to make uh, Dolores be kind of threatening at the end. Like, you don't want to hurt, like, the fact that she couldn't conceive that the rebellion would be because of the man she made him, not, like, that he's trying to usurp her authority or whatever. Like, that that he, no, like, that's how powerful the cornerstone is. Yeah, and I hope that this is the moment that really drives home to her what Maeve said, you know. Mm. Um, All the times that Maeve has said, you're forcing them down the path that you have right. prescribed, which is funny because that's what Ford tried to do to her, right? Uh, to Maeve. I, I hope that finally kicks in, yeah. you know, in Dolores. What is Dolores's cornerstone? And, uh, and also, like, I guess the thing because like, I thought it was like her father, her relationship with her father. Yeah, but... I, I thought they maybe even addressed this, like, that she has this kind of like generic love for humanity and like this optimism, the natural splendor. And, yeah, uh, uh, and like that, there's a conflict bet- conflict between that and like Wyatt's cornerstone. Mm-hmm. Um, and like that, now she's going to have to like authentically, like you know, Teddy didn't have a choice. This like this was his. This was his solution to yeah. to try to plot a course between his loyalty and love for Dolores and his repulsion at the man that he's that he's made her and the fact that you know he can't be disloyal to her and 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 spare all these people uh, and and also like I think there's also a little bit of horror of like well the last time I disobeyed her command to commit senseless carnage she turned me into this yeah. holy shit what's the next stop if she gets mm-hmm. a chance like there might be a little bit of that fatalism um but i i don't know it really worked for me and her performance sold it yeah uh, like and how like she did she's like she she had to confront everything about like how one-sided the power in their relationship was and how, you know, the echo, what, what, what uh, Arnold told her that, like, what's real is what cannot be replaced. And now she thinks that Teddy is irreplaceable and she's just, mm-hmm. she's devastated and it's too late. It's, it's, it's too late to fix things. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, genuine moment of loss that I suspect is going to be undone because Teddy can come back and everybody can come back. But, <laughs> From the forge, yeah. But we'll see.
Before we get to feedback, this week's uh, episode of our podcast is sponsored by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audible.com slash Westworld and browse an unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a free title and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audible.com slash Westworld or text Westworld to 500-500 to get started today. So we talked about, like, to have the unmatched selection of audiobooks, and not just books. It's original audio shows, news, comedy programming um, from the leading sources and publishers and broadcasters, all in one easy, convenient place. Uh, the other cool thing about Audible is it allows you to listen to more books by letting you switch seamlessly between devices, picking up exactly where you left off. That's what I like about it. I can be reading the book on my Kindle, put it on my nightstand, wake up in the morning, start my commute, and call it up on my podcast and have it start uh, reading the book to me. It's all uh, all, all, all handled by the WhisperSync technology. Um, and you can get through a lot of those books by doing almost anything. It's summertime. Mm-hmm. You know, we just had uh, a listener talk about, well, no, we're before the feedback section. We're about to have a <laughs> listener talk about listening to our podcast while they're running. Yeah. Like if you're running, you're biking, uh, kayaking, make sure your device is in a nice waterproof bag, uh, at the beach, uh, mowing your lawn. There's so many ways to enjoy summertime activities and not just have your brain go off into mush or listen to music or whatever. Like, you know, edify yourself. Get in a book. Um, and right now they're offering uh, our listeners a 30-day trial to get their first audiobook free. Uh, I'd like to make a recommendation. Uh, it's probably going to be no surprise. It's something I've been talking about all season the Sapiens. Uh, speaking of an inception, my God, uh, this thing got into my ear through an Alt Shift Alt Shift X Audible ad, and now I've, I've recommended it again once. I'm going to recommend it again. It's just the Westworld's about a time on the planet where two intelligent sapien creatures are existing at the same time, and we think that's a unique situation. But this book actually reveals that in humanity's uh, primordial past that there were multiple humans, types of humans walking around. You had Neanderthals, you had Homo sapiens. How did they coexist? How did they compete? Why is there only one left? What would it be like if there was more than that? This is stuff that's explored in the Book of Sapiens, uh, what it means to be human, what it means to be consciousness, the consciousness revolution that uh, took place uh, 70,000 years ago, uh, where modern cognition first uh, developed. And like that's kind of a cool thing to think about, too. Like, what if you're the first human that discovered cognition? <laughs> yeah. Like wouldn't like like wouldn't you seem like a crazy person to people? Like that's probably like the first shaman or the first like priest is is the ones that kind of put these puzzles together. What was that like? It's fascinating stuff and if if you've read Sapiens, uh he has a follow-up uh this Dr. Harari, uh Homo Deus. He plays mm-hmm. around this concept of in the Sapiens like here is all of, of, of human evolution, what might humans evolve to next. And Homo Deus, which I haven't started yet, but I'm excited to, is all about that second part. Mm-hmm. Like, what what, what, what do we evolve to beyond Homo sapien? Uh, check it out. Uh, again, you can get a free trial uh, and get your first audiobook free. Could be Sapiens. Go to audible.com slash Westworld or test, text Westworld to 500-500. This podcast is also sponsored, as always, by Bald Move itself. Uh, you can support us directly by going to club.baldmove.com. There's a lot of incentives to do so, uh, not just that you're supporting uh, this uh, independent content, but we try to you know, try to make it worth your while. This week we're doing something special. We're going to live watch the original Westworld uh, 
on the website, baldmove.com. You'll watch us watch the movie, and you can uh, follow along with your personal copy, or you can just listen to what we have to say, or you can interact with it however you want. And it's also it's called a live watch, but it's recorded for posterity, so if you can't make the live watch, you can always just watch it whenever. Uh, maybe we should call it the Anytime Watch. <laughs> it's uh, not, it doesn't have the ring. It's recorded live, yeah, but then might be rebroadcast at a future date of your choosing. Uh, but you can go to club.baldmove.com, check out the pitch, uh, sign up if you want. There's 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 example content of all that stuff, including live watches. You can check out a couple live watches, probably of what The Walking Dead. I'm sure, probably. If you just want to yeah. see how it kind of works, uh, but you can you can sample a lot of that content for free, and also 30 day free trial just by going to club.baldmove.com. Hope to see you. Uh, I should mention that it's Wednesday next tomorrow night. Wednesday, June 20th is when we're doing the live watch at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard if you want to watch it truly live. But again, you know, whatever. You want to watch it on a weekend? Want to watch it next week? Want to watch it a year from now? It's always there as a club member. Club.baldmove.com. That's it for the episode. Yeah. That's all I've got. Do we have uh, some feedback to I do? have some feedback for sure. Uh, Mike, uh, first up, uh, westworld at baldmove.com is where you send feedback. Just want to let everybody know that. We also have forums, forums.baldmove.com. Uh, Mike D has one minor correction from the past podcast. There's actually a couple of commentaries on the past podcast. You guys have listened to several of these. I think you know how it goes. Uh, Aaron mentioned the American Indians stayed hunter-gatherers longer than many other peoples. But actually, most American Indians of North America turned to agriculture more than 1,000 years before Columbus. The primary crop was corn, obviously, but they cultivated a number of other foods throughout the continent. As a result, they formed towns in many places. Uh... At its peak, he says this Chicoya or Cahoica uh, town in, in Illinois uh, was estimated to have a population of 40,000, which you, Damn. Can't, you can't do that without agriculture. Yeah, uh, and, an and interesting, longhouses. An interesting deviation from this path, though it may relate to Westworld, is the Plains tribes. The American Indians of the Plains region of now United States had also largely become agriculturists by the time of Columbus' arrival. It's also important to remember that there were no horses in the American continent until 1519, and they were not used by American Indians until the early 1700s. Life found a way. Life found a way. They donkey, tried to. They, donkey they only brought. Frog. They only brought female horses to the New World just to keep them from breeding, but they started fucking frogs, and the rest is rest is fake history. Uh, once they began to be used, the Plains tribes found the horses gave them an opportunity for a much easier lifestyle. They could depend almost exclusively on buffalo. They actually chose to move, uh, in scare quotes, backwards in the eyes of some anthropologists by returning to the hunter-gatherer lifestyle. Hmm. As Aaron alluded to, this gave them much more free time to actually develop artistically, and their relatively easy lifestyle is what Akichita describes at the beginning of the episode. You are, of course, correct, and I was chagrined to get the correction because, like, shit, like, of all the stupid shit I was taught in grade school, one of the things that they did teach us was it was, in fact, the... You know, Native Americans' understanding of agriculture to help the pilgrims to survive. And that led mm-hmm. to the first Thanksgiving. And, you know, probably a lot of simplified bullshit, but even I <laughs> should remember that. That, they, 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 that was it's like these buried dead fish with the corn seed, right? That's how they, that's, that, that was the secret that they turned to fertilize. I was I'd, taught that they, okay. t- that they taught the pilgrims. You, you got to put a dead fish <laughs> yeah. in with the corn to make it grow, you, 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 hmm. you dumbass. Don't you know anything about maize? Uh, okay. Moving on, Vince C. A meta point I'd like to make that I haven't seen anyone else point out. It's about the casting of the Native American actors, specifically that all the accredited Native American roles are played by real Native American actors, with the exception of the new Kohana. This seems pretty fitting as if to point out how poor of a replacement the new Kohana is. I thought that was pretty interesting. Hmm. Uh, 
Mike W., uh, I lo- mostly listen to your podcast while I'm running, which gives me a lot of time to think. Lately, you've been talking about some of your disappointments in Season 2 content, especially the, lot, the action sequences and the somewhat hokey storytelling devices used on occasion. But an episode like Kiksuya airs, and we're all back to loving the show again, and I'm right there with you. Kiksuya felt nostalgic to me, like putting on a warm pair of Westworld socks. It seemed, which read your feet. They, 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 they really they, like, they, they let you breathe, though. You, you, you slip running. those socks on, they make a highly detailed 3D model of your feet. That Ford's going to pleasure himself to later. <laughs> somehow, somehow your brains run through your feet, and they, they, re- they didn't know what they needed, so they recorded it all. <laughs> uh, so, seemed like to return to what Westworld had been doing great all along. This got me thinking about the stark contrast between episodes like Kiksuya and other episodes that we've seen this season, and then I donned my tinfoil hat. I'm becoming more and more convinced that this contrast is intentional, that we're supposed to feel it, and we're supposed to love an episode like Iksuya and perhaps even cringe a little at seemingly ill-conceived action sequences and plot devices used elsewhere. Let's shift gears into the greater Nolan theory. In Christopher Nolan's Inception, the movie can be watched a couple of different ways. On one hand, it's a trippy, mindfuckery story about incepting ideas into people's heads through dreams. These dreams can be layered. The deeper you dream, the more susceptible you are to the Inception. The film can be enjoyed at the surface level. But if you go a little deeper and listen to interviews from Nolan himself, you'll see that there's an intentional allegory. The film is the dream. It's an allegory for filmmaking itself at a meta level. We, the audience, are receiving an inception of Nolan's ideas. The characters are a film crew. Cobb is the director. Arthur, a producer, and so on. We, the audience, are the dreamers. Uh, the first, wow, I didn't even know this. The first letters of the main characters' names are an anagram for the word dreams. Don, Robert, Ames, Arthur, Mal, Sato. Hmm. Uh, so let me skip ahead to this film analysis. Um with that in mind, let's shift back to Jonathan the Lesser Nolan. In Season 1, Episode 2, Chestnut, one of my favorites, Ford replies to Sizemore's garish new storyline pitch with a quote that has been fully lodged in my head for the last week or two. It's not about giving you guests what they think they want. That's simple. The titillation, horror, elation, they're parlor tricks. The guests don't return for the obvious things we do, the garish things. They come back because of the subtleties, the details. They come back because they discover something they imagine no one has ever noticed before, something they've fallen in love with. They're not looking for a story that tells them who they are. They already know who they are. They're there because they want a glimpse of who they could be. Uh, He continues, If we think in terms of Westworld, the show being a theme park, then we are guests and Ford could just as well be talking about us. We're not here for the obvious things, the garish things. No, we're here for the subtleties and the details. We've come back for things we've fallen in love with. Kiksua is a great reminder of what we've fallen in love with, and it's a direct contrast to the more obvious things we've seen on occasion in Season 2. Uh, so he's convinced that this is intentional, uh, that we're supposed to see this kind of rhythm and it's supposed to fully tie back into the themes of Westworld. Uh, what, and this is kind of a meta thing about audiences and producers yeah. and what, what do you think about that? I see where he's coming from. And call me simple. Call me a Lee. Simple Lee. But I want the things that make me enjoy watching a show. Right. Yes, I understand that sometimes you need to transcend that. Yeah. And you can do that. But if you... And I guess, you know, Westworld is succeeding in walking that line because I'm not ready to turn Westworld off. Yeah. I am looking for some of those simpler Lee-like things uh-huh. from Westworld uh-huh. to keep me engaged 
on you know an emotional level mm-hmm. when maybe mentally some of the other stuff is doing it for me but yeah it can it can be both i i assume right. is what he's saying here and i guess i agree with that I mean, it got me because I, yeah, as, as I mentioned on Instant Talk podcast, I've been trying to think about ways where because I, I, I don't think Nolan, much less Joy, are stupid, obvious no. people that write bad things. Like Jonathan Nolan has written some of the more clever things that him and his brother have uh, collaborated on, and and they're mm-hmm. very interesting and intellectually satisfying. Uh, but I do think the line between something that working and not working is pretty narrow. Like, I think, like, what if Inception was 10% less well done? Mm-hmm. Like, we'd probably be talking about what a pretentious piece of... Like, people do talk about the movie that way. It's not <laughs> universally loved. But, like, yeah, yeah. more people would be like, well, this is a pretentious piece of shit. People don't usually say, oh, this is a very ambitious but flawed project. It's always, this is awesome or this is trash, right? Of course. And I extremes. feel like that is in full throttle on the places where you discuss Westworld. Like... Season two isn't like an occasional disappointment that has a scratch in your head. It's just a shit. It's just a, the the storytelling and the writing are just way shittier compared to this. When in reality, it could be like Inception. Just ten percent of it works less well than it needed to for the spell to work. And I think like there, I, I guess what I'm going for is like I've been trying to think like maybe some of this stuff, like the fact that William is a psychopath, is an indictment of the leadership that we have agreed to allow, allow to put us put the be put a, a, over us here on planet earth that the uh, incompetence of delos is a statement on corner cutting and lack of transparency and accounting and corp- corporate culture mm-hmm. like i'm willing to admit that and admire the audacity of the ideas and perhaps the plan but also say that the execution is leaves a little to be desired yeah and i think that's where like uh you know, I would like to try to shape the criticism. Now, there's sometimes where the floor just falls out. Like, see, see the scene with Walking Angela, Dead, yeah. comma the. Oh, okay. Like, like, <laughs> yeah. and, and also that falls scene. Out. But, but there's sometimes where yeah. and you can just be like, you know what? Uh, ambitious or not, this is just a piece of shit. But like, I right. think we need to definitely slow a roll about how relatively shitty Westworld is because yeah, yeah. no, I it's like I said, that, like Kiksuya is just a fucking amazing episode of television. Period. All stop. Yeah, yeah. I think this was a great episode of television too. I'm yeah. I when I criticize, you know, some of the trickier things they're doing here, I guess you know that that's the Lee and me kicking in and saying, yeah. I want some, I want something I can bite into here mm-hmm. that I'm not like desperately searching around. Like what what is there to eat? You know, like I I don't always want to search, but like sometimes I do want to search and right. I. It, it it varies week to week, and that's the trouble with, I guess, watching Westworld on something that isn't my own pace, mm-hmm. is I don't have that choice, yeah. you know? Um, I, I can't say, well, I'm just not into what Westworld is doing right now, so yeah. I'm going to give it some time until I am in that, that zone, right? Yeah. Where I'm going to analyze these deeper. It's, it's more about, like, being dictated the pace instead of experiencing it when I'm in the right mindset. But if, as a person, you're defined by your choices, what does it say that you aren't able to make the choice to binge Westworld? That I'm a podcaster. That's what it says. <laughs> you're slave to the microphone. Yeah. Uh, Melanie from Atlanta. Can we please talk about the parallels between William and Teddy's storylines? Wish granted. Okay. Uh, it all starts and ends with Dolores. Uh, they both loved her as soon as they set eyes on her and fought to save her. The love for Dolores changed them both, brought out the evil in them. In William's case, chasing Dolores and finally seeing her never remember him seemed to have brought the black hat out. In Teddy's case, she had to manually change his coding, and this drove him away from her. 
Both of those paths eventually lead to suicide. Not to mention they have longer names that can be shortened to five-letter nicknames ending in Y, Teddy or Billy. Do they? Uh, why, why do you say suicide, I guess, in William's case? Well, it, it led to... It led to his spouse committing suicide. Led to a suicide. Oh, a suicide. Okay. But also, he put the gun to his head. Like, yeah, he contemplated it. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. So, like, I think it's it's, you could fairly read it, but either way. Uh, I thought that was kind of because there's like you know tons of contrast. We talked. I think we talked about in the beginning that I forgot to talk about it within the episode, but like, you know, Ford being the the daughter or the father of Maeve. Arnold being the the father of Dolores, uh, like in a weird way, Bernard is like a hybrid that he literally is Arnold, which would imply like a kinship to him. But he was created by Ford, mm-hmm. uh, so they're like and and you know maybe that's a key to understanding him that he kind of bridges that gap. But I I thought that was pretty interesting. She also says. After listening to your instant take, I wanted to bring your attention to the fact that there's still at least copy of the host code. I think we talked about this episode. Uh, wouldn't it be all backed up in Abernathy's brain egg? We've seen Dolores take it, but not that she's destroyed it, so she probably still has it, and thus there's the possibility that any dead host can come back. Yeah, we just don't know what's in that exactly. Because I took it that it's the guest data. Right. And so it's all that the profiles for the guests. All the intellectual property of the host is still gone, but the, ho- the, the, the guest stuff is... Not only backed up in the forge, which we've been told is an immense amount of data, and we've also been told that that's what's inside Abernathy's head. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I guess if you argue that, if like, so I got the impression that like the host date is like the ten percent tip of the iceberg, and the guest date is like the other ninety percent. Yeah, because uh, the hosts are very much more simple; they don't change much. Whereas, and it's not the point of the project. It's either, not the right? point of the project. Yeah. So the argument for that is like, well, if you can fit all of the park data, all the ho- guest data, like what? Abernathy's skull doesn't have room for the other 10%? Yeah, and if you can fit, you know, a single profile into this card. Yeah. Do you, do you really need to sneak a whole host out? Right. Can't you sneak a stack of cards out? Or a like, marble? Or a marble? Or a marble. Like, yeah. yeah. It's a little confusing, but whatever um anyway so yeah that's that's a fair possibility that's what i'm saying like i i i I thought we were to the point where some of these host deaths were going to mean something not yet i don't think we're there yet yeah maybe next episode uh molly e i think there's a clear parallel between william and dolores here's another one to me there's a significant uh the definite significance in that both william and dolores significant others committed suicide once they found out the truth about who they are Mm -hmm. um Let's see. Yeah, and and they they drove those people to it. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think we we Ford we, and or you know the other hosts or the humans are not going to stop either of them right. from obtaining their mission. Like, there's a lot of parallels to be drawn between those. Sorry, two. Molly, we we froze your motor functions in the <laughs> podcast. Uh, Nolan has an air. Uh oh. Oh no. Uh oh. Yeah, just been Nolan. Just Nolan uh-huh. has an airtight theory for us. Next episode, Elsie and Hector meet up and commiserate over constantly being ditched by the respective main characters. They team up, say fuck this shit, and burn Westworld to the ground with everyone else in it. Biggest plot twist yeah. yet. Season two, final season. <laughs> Bring it on. Uh, it's already been renewed, hasn't it? I think so. Yeah. I thought like that was like even before the f- season three aired that it's like they they already renewed it for at least one more season. Um, it'll be interesting to see how fast we renew it next year, because this is an expensive show mm-hmm. that I don't think has thus far ta- took off the way HBO was hoping it would. So yeah. 
HBO is pretty good about giving shows a nice natural run, even if they are commercial failures, if they're critical successes. Yeah. And that's the other kind of bad news for Westworld. It's a extremely mixed bag. The people that love it, love it. But if you look yeah. at a lot of mainstream critics, uh, I don't, I don't, I, I don't know. Like Anthony Ford, probably a lock for an Emmy, but just because they fucking love giving giving Anthony Hopkins awards, mm-hmm. who doesn't? I love. I mean, shit, we, <laughs> we we we've done it. It's hard not to, frankly. He's really good. Yeah, really good. Uh, Nick in from Dallas. Hey, I was listening to your instant talk, and you're all discussing why the man in black would think he's a host. Well, if you remember his wife putting his personality trait cards down the screen, it said type forty seven B, and had three things below. Yeah. Uh, he said, "I I couldn't. Re- I, I know paranoid and schizophrenic was persecutory. It's not. It's, yeah, it's paranoid, delusional, and but you know whatever. Uh, he thinks that you can be safely assume that he's having an actual mental break. Uh, that's why he's like breaking down and acting and and, and acting increasingly crazy. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a it's." partially that if you're paranoid uh, you would you would constantly suspect that you've been replaced by a host right well yeah i mean i think the that leads him like the paranoid and the the delusion and stuff leads him to checking himself but i really think the core of it is about trying to absolve himself from the guilt that he feels right uh james h from chicago you talked about the term vanishing point relating when two lines converge in the distance and we didn't quite get there with the narrative this week because everything's still up in the air However, I don't think the title relates to the current narrative. I think it directly relates to William himself. The vanishing point is the point at which William completely loses himself when the darkness fully overtakes him and he no longer recognizes himself. It's something his wife played with. Like, if you keep pretending, you'll forget who you really are. His real-world persona completely converges with his man in black uh, persona. While he approached that point leading up to his his wife's death and the aftermath of aftermath of that and shutting down the Jim Dalos experiment, he was pulled out of that tailspin by the promise of a new game from Ford and the craziness that broke out after the gala. You see a glimmer of that real world good guy when he saves Lawrence's family. But as the narrative continues to play out, his old ways and darker impulses are taking over. He's obsessed with the fake world and completely loses himself in it. He doesn't recognize his own daughter and after killing her doesn't recognize himself. He doesn't want to believe he could be such a monster so in his last gasp at humanity he wants to believe a delusion that maybe he's a host. Because maybe it isn't his fault. It was Ford's all yep, along. Exactly. That's a great piece of analysis. And again, I don't know if it mere, any of this materially changes if his daughter's a robot, if he's a robot, if it, you know. Because the one thing that they taught me in the show is that these hosts can be as fully human uh, and as much deserving of respect and dignity as a real person. So, yeah, I, I think with 90% of the hosts that we see. At this point, we are mm-hmm. far beyond questioning whether or not they should be treated as people. Yes. Agreed. Uh, John K. In the pilot episode where... did I, I'm sorry. Did, did you have anything else to add to that? No. Okay. No, I, I agree 100%. That's what I've been trying to say. I just didn't say it as eloquently. Yeah. It's almost like maybe we should, instead of like... Our prepare, preparation for podcasts is just mailing in long, eloquent emails. To ourselves. Have, yeah, to ourselves that we just read to each other. Boy, just a string of gems this week. I don't Dear Jim, <laughs> uh, John K. In this pilot episode, the man in black is seeing Dragon Dolores onto the barn, and that event should have occurred well past his wife's suicide, correct? We talked about this. Yeah, it happened a lot, I think. It could have happened a lot. Both it could have been a ritual. Uh, it could be something that, like, hey, I'm going to rape Dolores to make sure I still are emotionally detached from her, or whatever fucked up thing that would imply about him. But I, it... Is is certainly deceptive though. 
but a lot of this the, uh, frankly a lot of what happens on the show is deceptive mm-hmm. you know it's it's part of the parlor trick um javin s you've often made allusions to the host experiencing or reflecting elements of a messiah narrative however i think there may be a closer tie into eastern philosophy the act of becoming woke quote unquote reflects that of the buddhist enlightenment even the language they use in the show about understanding their suffering closely reflects to the wit the live is to suffer mantra also whereas humans are striving towards immortality the hosts seem to be striving to achieve some sort of true mortality They've been living immortal lives of suffering, compounded by multiple versions of a reincarnation. The power that the humans have over the hosts is the ability to bring them back to life however they see fit. It has been mentioned that in order to become woke, the hosts have to look into themselves, the man at the center of the maze, and recognize their past suffering. This internal meditation and reflection on past lives and suffering is a very Eastern rather than Western way to view things. Which is interesting since the show is literally in a Western setting. I'm actually surprised. In an Eastern setting. Uh, I guess primarily in a Western setting. It's called the West World, not Samurai World. Um, I thought this was interesting. I'm surprised I haven't seen this take more because he's absolutely right. This, Mm -hmm. for all the Native American mythology, for all the Christ figure, this is literally the revelation that the Buddha had about life. That we are stuck on this plane of suffering, and only by releasing attachment to everything, including. like the value of our life is the only way that we can can be free of it. Um, I I I mean maybe this gets talked about a lot and I just haven't seen it, but uh, I was kind of surprised when he laid it all out. That yeah yeah, well, haven't more, more people uh, made this connection? Uh, any thoughts or should we move on? Let's keep going. Jeremy R. The only question that keeps sticking out to me is why Emily would continue to question why her mother killed herself if she actually had viewed his profile. This is go along with the She's abrupt. Lying. She's trying to elicit a confession from him. Right. That's all. He's like, why is Emily so Jekyll and Hyde? I I mean, everything she said to the man in black has been a lie to try to get him to come with her. Yeah. And now we finally see it laid. We think there might be a, yet one more gambit left, but she got shot in the gut. So who knows? Yeah. Uh, this is the find. The, the ultimate truth is she is here there to burn him. Yep. So I think that's I, it was confusing, but that's what I got out of it. Uh, Alex F., forgive the English major, former professional editor and writer, and overall word nerd and bookworm for the indulgence of elucidating the import of the place in which William hides a profile. He hides it in a seemingly first edition copy of Vonnegut's most famous work, Slaughterhouse-Five. Oh, first edition. Yeah, it's got to be worth some money. He just, he just got it just, just got it in his bedroom. You know. Son of a bitch. Next to the Plutarch books. Right. <laughs> no big deal. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's the other thing is, like, I thought is... It's the, it's the other thing we didn't point out is how clever it was that they used the discrepancy between Plutarch's actual words and disputed nature of it and yeah. this whole thing that's about what you actually believe and what's real and what's not and what's lies and what's fiction. Mm-hmm. It, fucking masterclass at being shifty in storytelling here. <laughs> uh, anyway, Alex continues. Here's a few things to note. The main character is named Billy. He's un, is infamously unstuck in time. He's also a terribly unreliable narrator. Uh, this narrator is also telling the tale in a nonlinear manner. Uh, the alternate title uh, or complete title is Slaughterhouse Five or the Children's Crusade at Duty Dance with Death. Children's Crusade rings true with Emily, as a very surface level reading would suggest. Uh, but Billy's narration ultimately begins to tell the out of order backstory as he's about to die. Uh, I'd say the Children's Crusade also applies to Dolores and Maeve. Certainly, because they're literally the children of the creators. Yeah. Uh, do you think that? 
the the big the big bang point here is that if this follows the uh the, the arc of uh slaughterhouse five that it says bad things about our billy what happens to, to guys gets, Billy gets killed he's dead oh well yeah probably uh i can't i can't really see william making it much longer i don't either maybe out of this season but it, not it, it far just beyond. honestly depends on whether he's a host uh or whether there's still something human within him whether there's yeah. both uh I I, I I i don't know because i would hate to see them lose the actor ed harris is great can't dispute that. I wonder if they got like like uh, uh, Anthony Hopkins and Ed Harris on like, uh, hey, we're about to begin filming. Are they still alive? Okay, we've got this plot. If not, we've got this other plot. Yeah, you know, it's like, hey, we could bring back Tony for one more. It's awesome, awesome. He's still in Bernard's head. No, well, the, the, the Bernard deleted that package. So yeah, like it's a choose your own adventure that they, they've got going here. Because why would you ever willingly write out these characters? Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, mean obviously to tell a better story. Actors. Yeah. You gotta you gotta murder your children to tell the the, the perfect story you want to tell. Uh Daniel J has something he's puzzled about Vanishing Point. That's Ford's comment to William that William somehow broke their deal in which Dalo stays out of the narrative and Ford stays out of the valley. Do you have any theories of what Ford meant by that? It's really confusing to me. Uh I have an idea. So Ford wanted to tell his story and be free of interference, but the Dalos experiment requires the host to stay unchanged, and Ford's final narrative was a story of how the hosts are going to break out of that narrative. So you could argue that Dalos's experiment is interfering with Robert's ability to tell these stories as they appear naturally, hmm. because this story can never progress. Uh, that's the only thing I can think of that like this other story is emerging, which is the host becoming conscious and becoming this new civilization, this origin of species. But you won't let me tell that story because of your fucking experiment. So you've already broken our deal. Hmm. Yeah, I, I don't have a great explanation of that. I was very early on in my thinking of this episode trying to come up with one, but right. somewhere I lost that thread. Uh, okay, so that's all we have for the non, non-speculative theory stuff. Um, we are about to begin a discussion of that. If you would like to bypass that, you can uh, just stop the podcast right now. Um, and just a reminder to send feedback to westworld at baldmove.com. And you can also check out our forums, forums.baldmove.com. Are we ready to begin the speculation? Sure. Okay. What I thought, because we, we talked about making predictions, and I thought it would be nice to go through the trailer for next week's show and talk about the scenes in, indivi- in, in individual. Then we can talk about theories that we like, and then we can get to the feedback, which is going to make yeah. this a very long podcast, but hopefully it's entertaining. We'll do it quickly, I hope. <laughs> uh, so uh, Bernard drives out to the va- Valley Beyond. Yeah. All right? Stop me when you want to talk about something. It's, we, it's not interesting. We see Maeve leading the cow stampede. We know. It's coming up, yeah. Uh, Dolores, Arnold, and Delos are just kicking it in the forge with Logan. Here's where it gets interesting. With yeah. Logan. Logan's going to be there. Bernard's going to be in there. Dolores is going to be in there. James is going to be in there. Yeah, and, he's, and they're all the way down. I, I, I fully expect to see William in there. Yeah. Because why not? 
and I don't know if it's going to be a young him or an old him. I like the young. I, I now I I have shifted my allegiance to William is going to confront young William, who's going to be that would be great. Yeah, com- like 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 Will he's going to be confronted with a version of William that before he turned to the darkness. So all this bullshit of like it always I was always dark is going to be laid bare, and he's going to be realized that. His choices have made him evil, mm. not. And then now, what happens to that? I don't know. Does that is that a redemptive arc for William? Does the young William, the young robot William, uh, like part of me says they're killing Teddy to set up this romance because it was a definite romance in season one. Uh, like like the like the young host William will be reunited with young, well with with ageless uh, host uh uh Dolores mm-hmm. and they'll live happily and they'll kill the the evil skin of evil husk old William man in black <laughs> so this only works if old William is a host yeah cuz how else does he get into the forge humans yeah, can't go into the forge that's true i mean they could put a hat on him and like zap, zap him in We've never seen that i mean would they happen the ford ford for sure ford is inside yeah, the yeah but in a marble Oh, but they, I'm saying, like, why couldn't, why couldn't they just do that at the Forge? Like, slap his hat on his head, read his brain, suck him into a marble. Like, I just think that's... that's <laughs> they could, and then, and then yeah, there would that's, be three Williams, right? There'd be the real human William. There'd be the uh, old... Yeah, no, I, I think... Simulation I think William and the young I, simulation William. I think it's... The only reason I don't think William is a host is because they've left it so ambiguous... Uh, or they the, 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 hmm. no 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 I'm sorry that that there's so much evidence pointing that William is a host both thematic actual things on think screen zag. spoken dialogue that it's like yes they're going they're going to zag when I expect them to zig um, anyway continuing the anal- there's also this giant library yeah which makes me think of when Ford said that. There was a story. There was a li- there is a library that contained many stories that was turned into a new story about the great library being burnt down. Uh, I don't know if that's just a sick way to visualize the forge and Dolores is going to destroy it, thus fulfilling the prophecy. Or mm-hmm. there's actually this giant library within the forge, or what? But that those these scenes were all shot in the the forge aspect ratio. So, so the other thing I want to talk about with Logan specifically is we see Logan looking like he's potentially high, like he's hmm. out of his mind wasted mm-hmm. at one point in one screenshot. But that was a re- that was in a real-world screenshot, I, I don't believe. think so. I oh, think really? It looked like it was the Forge aspect Shit, ratio. I wish I'd... I, you know what? I wish I'd done, used italics to see which scene was which because I kind of... Maybe I'm wrong about that, but right. that's as I recall it. I mean, which whatever. to me we'll says, like, week. this simulation has been going on for a very long time mm-hmm. and that... Logan's tendencies have led him in that direction, uh, even in the simulation. And right. and it doesn't seem that maybe he could die in the simulation. Mm. And so now he's, like, stuck in this hell almost, a right. lot like James Delos was when he was taken out of the simulation. Right. It's a metamorphosis of prime intellect. Yeah, it's pretty It's just how up. debauched can you get in a world where your consequences don't matter and you can right. get as high as you want. and yeah. Uh, he gives a speech about I've been to the bottom. Uh, are, are you? <laughs> and I saw James Dalos. And I saw James Dalos saying the, that hey, I'm at the bottom here with you, boy. Uh-huh. It's your face I've been looking at this whole time. Uh, 
are you saying that that scene took place in the simulation? I think everything with James Delos has to take place in the simulation. See, unless I, we do I'm flashback. almost certain that the lo- where Logan screaming about being in the bottom was full aspect ratio. Maybe, but again, I wish I'd noted because I could have just italicized the ones that were. And but yeah, uh, I need the next time I do the simulation, I'll do that. Um, Forge is going to get blown up. We then see Arn- or, uh, Bern Arnold, Bernard standing in the valley, and water starts bubbling up from the ground, which is kind of cool. Seems like that's going to be the flood that that we're privy to already. Yep. Uh, we see Clem riding up to Maeve and Hector, who seem to be like some kind of last stand on a hill, or maybe they're leading a migration of hosts to the Great Valley. Mm-hmm. And it, it appears that Maeve is seeing uh, an ambush or a trap, and she screams the run. Uh, and then we see Bernard ask Robert Ford to help him as Ford kind of stands impassively. And then there's just a shit ton of less than a millisecond cuts yeah. leading up to the, the uh, de- uh, I know that you've actually gone through the threads and, and dissected each individual scene and imagery. Do you want to like, tell us about those? What's what uh, you, people are talking about a tornado. There's a fucking tornado. Yeah. Ripping a tornado in the sky. People are talking about a, a machine that's shooting lasers into the sky, which I think might be the array that Charlotte was talking about. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of shit going on. Yeah. Yeah, but it seems like there's going to be a fight between Maeve and Clem and the forces that they control. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe their mind powers. You know, they're both essentially... Yeah, because like, like the thing with what I thought about Clem is like if she gets within X amount of range, maybe you just die. Or you you get the, sure. you get the, the rage virus infection. But we know that... You know, even beyond what Clem has, Maeve has been upgraded. That's true. By Ford. That's true. There's so, no fucking way that hack job with the goatee is able to outdo Ford programming. <laughs> fuck no. Yeah. So she's probably going to win that fight, but there is yeah. going to seemingly be a struggle in the valley. Can we see like a Harry which, Potter style? They're both grabbing, grabbing their head and thinking, and like maybe there's energy shooting between them. And I think you're thinking of Lord of the Rings. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it can be any magical good versus evil fight, psychic that's, fight. That's true. This is every it, X-Men movie you've ever seen. It does seem like that battle is going to be the cause of most of the deaths hmm. that we see of the host ah. bodies in the flood. It's not necessarily the flood itself. Uh, with, with Bernard being at the, the epicenter or the, 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 the center ground zero of the flood uh, makes me think that he legit washed up on the beach. Like that, he was... That's why the battle killing most of them makes sense, right? Yeah. Because if Bernard can wash up, presumably a lot of hosts could have washed up. Sure. But he's the only one that we see, so maybe they died before yeah. the flood. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, how does Teddy's body get there? That's the other That's thing. That's a damn fine Teddy's question. Teddy's body getting there and not... like I I would believe that there's a bullet head that or bullet hole in his head that I wouldn't see because of his mop of hair. Uh-huh. So, like, I'm not too bothered by that, but I do wonder, like, is Dolores going to drag his body there because she's grief-stricken and she wants we to use We do see the, her laying next to it. Yeah, like spooning him. Uh-huh. I could see her dragging his ass to the forge just to try to resurrect him. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. I mean... It should be possible, right? Yeah. If she can get a new marble contraption yeah. into his head, yeah, and get the records of him from the forge into the body. I wonder what Dolores. You know, we talked about Dolores and uh, maybe William, like some kind of host William, resuming the love affair. But I don't know about that because this version of Dolores loves Teddy. Well, and we do knows that even if William in that moment loved her, that he made a lot of decisions that were bad and unjustifiable. Like I. I, I want to throw a little cold water on the, oh, it's going to be cute to see William and Dolores back together again, because I don't know. There is a, a very short shot in the preview of 
it's from very far away, so it's hard to tell who it is. But yeah. people are thinking that it's Dolores and William riding side by side toward the valley. Yeah. Do you want to? There's a so, shot that I did maybe. see being kicked around where it looks like Charlotte Hale is confronting perhaps a naked android version of her. Yeah. Which brings the Charlie yeah. theory back. Uh, like, there's just so much shit up in the air. There is. Is is, is next like is next week going to be some kind of crazy two hour episode? Have we I don't heard know. about that? I, I haven't checked because we haven't. Out. I don't think there's been a single episode over an hour. Maybe there was a one oh seven. Yeah, I think there was one that was one oh seven. But like, it feels like they need a night like a like a old school ninety minute finale to to, to to put all this stuff to bed. And even then, yeah, I think back to what they did in season one, and they covered a lot. Of they ground. sure did a lot of damn ground. They sure in season did. One's finale. Season one's finale is extremely impressive. Yeah, so, so they've got it in them. They, they do. certainly got it in them, and I'm excited. I have to say. Uh, so the other thing I think is interesting that they could play with is we talked about whether you could do like massive time dilation inside the cradle because it's got like significant horsepower and like maybe you could live several lifetimes in an instant. Uh, and we kind of dismissed that because it seemed like the cradle was kind of limited to doing what it could do. Yeah. Forge. Seems like it's like the steroid, larger, more powerful version of that. I wonder if there will be playing like any, like 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 Dolores will do something like try to recreate Teddy using her like essentially the same way that um, you created our Bernard. She'll try to recreate Teddy and like recurse through a good enough for and now be a way for like a season three plot where like he's kind he's almost the man she remembered. But there should be an unchanged Teddy in the Forge, yeah? I don't know, because if the Forge just I mean, holds sweet... the guest data, like, why would well, you well, have... Well, I see them in Sweetwater. If they're in Sweetwater and they're being simulated in Sweetwater, mm. you need a Teddy. You need a Teddy, you need a Dolores, you need all the yeah. cast of characters we that saw in for, like, you know, It wouldn't be that Teddy and that Dolores. It'd be slightly, yeah, it'd be diverged they would have a little to, bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it'd be more like original Teddy. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about is the Ma Eve theory. This old chestnut, huh? Uh, because we now know that Maeve is literally a child of God, mm-hmm. as well as Bernard, <laughs> yeah. who we said You're is the wrong. Adam. Like, we now have a literal Adam and fucking Eve, so who can... might have a child that they're related to in the form of Charlie. That right. could be Charlotte Hale. It could be a version His... of Maeve's daughter. It could be a yeah. version of uh, the, the child that Bernard thought died in the real world. Like... I, I think this Ma Eve theory of being the, the mother and father of a whole like because like Ford puts a fucking underline gets a marker out and says this is the origin of a species we have to worry about Bernard like yep. Ma Eve theories got legs for days and we're getting quotes from Genesis about Shh. the the first children yeah, ever born that, like that, that's your decision yeah, Dalsh, yeah it's I I, I I I dig it were there any theories that you saw like related to these this imagery that you want to discuss. I mean, most of the most of my theory, like I said, I didn't do a lot of theory stuff. Most mm-hmm. of my research this week was about themes and understanding why the man in black is doing what he is. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm talking about more of like from so, the no. trailer. Like, did you, was there oh, any no, other no, thing no. I left out about that? No, I think uh, it's pretty good. All right, let's get to our listener theory crafting then. 
so John C., like, I want to give him credit because, like, uh, I think he was wrong on some of the details because uh, I think also this came before last episode. This was, like, for, uh, something he came up after the Akichita episode. Huh. But he said, what if they took a young William, Jimmy Simpson's consciousness after his events with Dolores from season one and put it into the cradle? Or, I guess, the forge would be what he would say after this week. Uh, I think that's that's a solid theory that's going to get Jimmy Simpson back into the show, too. I mean, I think it's almost guaranteed. That you're going to see a young William before... Yeah, because... How do you pass a fidelity? Like, like he's subject two, and we think James Dale is subject one, so... That's the other interesting thing about the fidelity test, is, like, at what point... Like, like you could have a fidelity test where young William would pass the test to be William, and then you could do a fidelity test on old William, but they wouldn't pass each other fidelity test. Isn't that interesting? You wouldn't think so. Yeah, it is. Um, unless, unless William's right in that the you know he always was this this big fucking evil character, and he was just wearing the Jimmy Jimmy Simpson skin. Uh, moving forward, uh, I think the I just want to continue John's point to see if I've missed anything. Moving forward, I think the door confrontation that Ford hasn't planned for William involves Ed Harris host William meeting the real Jimmy Simpson who has not aged. Maybe it's only been a year or so since the events of Dolores and young mm-hmm. Jimmy Simpson, and the Ford's test is on the young William to decide what path he will take moving forward. Huh? So I cut out a bunch of stuff that he had theorized that. You're going to find out that a lot of stuff that's happened has, like, been taking place in simulation, and, like, there's not a... I, I don't... That's that's why I cut a lot of this out, because, like, to me, there's no way they can get away with, like, fake passage of time. Like, if they yeah. have simulated everything since 2018, or since Logan and had that party, like, that's that's too much Snow Globe Mesa bullshit for me. Yeah. Like, you can't, you can't say large chunks of this show have been simulated, or I rapidly start saying, well, who gives a fuck about anything? Which is why I appreciated the change in aspect ratio when you, we went into the You can get cradle. away doing that for an hour in, like, Black yeah. Mirror. You cannot do that for 20 hours on HBO. Yeah. Not with this podcast host. Um, But I, I, I don't know, man. There's something that what his wife says about if you keep pretending you won't remember who you truly are, and I think you're going to appreciate that, that William has been pretending to be this evil asshole to make what happened between him and Dolores make sense hmm. uh, is is what I think we'll, we'll see, but I don't know. Uh, moving on to Jillian D. You didn't mention this in the Kiksuya show, but I thought perhaps a unique theory... I have perhaps a unique theory about Akichita. Uh, I had immediate thought during the episode that the White Wolf... And a lot of people have been wondering about what the White Wolf is, is actually, in fact, Akichita. Hmm. In the first episode of both seasons, we see a White Wolf wandering through the, both of the carnage scenes caused by Dolores, the Deathbringer. In this episode, it's revealed that Akichita wanders through both scenes unseen by anyone after the massacres. I haven't gone back to double check, but I'm fairly sure that the wolf is shown wandering the scenes without anyone there to observe it. I think this is the creator's clever way of representing him without letting the cat out of the bag that he was present after both events. Huh. Sort of the spirit animal idea. Well, I mean, there's a couple things. Like, he could literally be a wolf. Like, he has transferred his consciousness into a wolf's body, and, like, you'll find out that, like, I that's silly. Like, is there a wolf sitting there making growling noises and mewling <laughs> noises to Maeve's daughter? Can he ghost walk into, like, a, a, like, a, like a wolf? Like, in the, in... If, if anything, I think it's symbolic of him, not literally him. Well, I mean, it's interesting because they did make that point that, like, Maeve can see things from other hosts' eyes and maybe, like, will appreciate that he can somehow, hmm. you know, 
he doesn't he doesn't command he the mesh know. network as well as Maeve. No, because but he did know he was talking to Maeve in that he moment. He did know he, so. he, he had some awareness of it. And we also know that Maeve had the the benefit of having technicians boost her abilities. Was it a dire wolf or just a wolf? It's just a that, wolf. That's the decisive point in my eyes. Ah, but 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 Ghost, who plays the dire wolf on HBO, is actually just a regular sized wolf that's been blown up. So oh, it shit. could actually be the same fucking wolf. We don't know. <laughs> uh, Game of Thrones world. Westeros World is going to be coming to season three because mm-hmm. uh, HBO is going to be really, really excited about maintaining that Game of Thrones momentum. Yeah, let's put it in uh, all the shows. She also wonders if there's some kind of Lakotan legend about a white wolf. Uh, I, I don't know. I didn't, but but I think a lot of people have been trying to figure out what that fucking white wolf is, and if it's somehow a representation of a Kichida, that's it's that's the best theory I've heard on pretty, it. Pretty pretty tasty theory, I think. Yeah. Uh, Clayton R. I had an epiphany on the rewatch of The Vanishing Point that William is not just a host, but he's always been a host. Um, let's see if we can like because always I got a lot of variations of like essentially William's been a host for thirty some years, and I just want to use this as a way to like argue with it. Uh, William is marrying into a family during the same time period as the park's acquisition. It stands to reason that Ford would attempt to plan a host in the Delos family, both as an attempt to retain long-term control of the park, but also as his first foray into experimenting with introducing a host into the real world and maybe even attempting to give it a version of autonomy. Okay. This, I think, confuses cause with effect. Unless you're willing to say that we have been wholesale lied to, Ford wanted to tell his stories. Delos wanted to do all the fucking with replacing hosts. So you're essentially saying that Ford stole their idea before they had it and put it into practice. Uh huh. Like this is another and then instance. Gave them the idea through William to do it. Right to give him a false backstory that is their idea all the time. I mean, like I see the appeal, yeah. but to me, this is yet another. Like, if they've lied this much, then, like, why bother watching the show? Mm-hmm. Like, you know. Or why bother analyzing the why show? Why Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's, there's, Just wait for the reveal. Right, right. Like, it, it's this This is more of a, uh, uh, a uh, shit, what's that shitty movie that I always bitch about the twist on? Oh, uh, uh, usual Suspects. Yeah. The, the, this show would be much more Usual Suspects, where, like, oh, all the things you thought were true, fuck all that shit, here's five minutes of mind-blowing, and, like, nothing really fits. Yeah. Like, I, I to me, that, that would that would be very dangerously close to losing me. Again, I can see the appeal of the idea. It's just that everything else in the show has been telling me that this isn't true. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to continue. It would also explain the annual pilgrimage to the park mentioned in the episode, which would almost certainly be needed to keep William upgraded and under some form of control. Granted. Um, it also, it would also, they spent a whole episode showing us that the technology to perfect human transfers isn't quite perfected. It doesn't work. Yeah. So like that would be another lie that it does work for up to a year at a time. They just need to defragment once a year. Um, this also may explain the directorial choice to cast a different actor as young William rather than the CG de-aging him as they did with Ford. They made a choice because the young version of William is literally a completely different robot than the current version. Okay. Uh, so he then gets off like like uh, he gets off into the weeds and says uh, this theory would also make his daughter the first biologically formed offspring of a host mating with a sapient and forming a new species. I guess this is where like you know you go off the rails because that's the other problem. The theory William has fathered a daughter, mm-hmm. 
And that's a pretty mind-blowing reveal if a robot can have sex with a, a human. And, I mean, we've speculated on it, but, like, that that's just way off the beaten Westworld path. You're at the edge of the park. There is there are trip wires and lasers and announcers on a loudspeaking t- speaker telling you to turn back, my friend. I just yeah, I, to and, me and dragons. Yeah, I just to me this would be my much. worst nightmare. Yep. Uh, again, I see the appeal. I see how the evidence can support it. I just I don't I don't want it to be true. No, I, it's I the, it's the kind of reveal that they would have had to build into the show, and I don't think they've done that. It's almost to the point where, like, there's certain, some reveals where, like, I would I would look at a Reddit thread and people reveal all these hidden things from the first two seasons. And I'm like, oh, okay, I can make. And there's some reveals where I'm like, I just, no, no, this, this I don't even, I don't care what evidence you have. Like, to me, this violates the, the showrunner viewer contract. Yeah. Uh, and this one is a little bit on the, that, that, that margin for me. Uh, and that's all the theories that we have to entertain for this week. All right, cool. Uh, that's it. Westworld at baldmove.com. Uh, if you want to send us feedback, I will have a pro- uh, programming note for next week because I'm going to be on vacation. Oh, yeah. Uh, we are still going to do the instant talk, and we're going to have full participation on that. But since it's the last episode on our full podcast to kind of make our schedules work a little bit better, we're not going to consider any feedback. We're gonna kick because, like, essentially, there's there, they'll be theorizing, no but speculation. it's gonna it's, I mean, it's by necessity it's going to be theorizing about the season three, right. and I'm gonna save all that for the wrap up, the extended wrap up podcast that we're gonna have following the the week after, where we can talk about the series as a whole, the mm-hmm. se- season as a whole, and what we think might happen for season three and all that kind of stuff. So we'll have a full instant talk next week. Uh, we'll have an abbreviate, not an abbreviate, have a full-on episode discussion, which will probably be an hour and a half, hour, two hours by itself. And then we'll have uh, feedback and wrap-up the week after. Yeah. All right? That's what's happening next week. Uh, Westworld at baldmove.com, forums.baldmove.com. And until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.